does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Hubler has it all. It's Query and Company. I'm going to be keeping you company for the next few hours. You are not going to believe the company. This company. You're going to bankrupt your mama's company. At least I have the radio to keep me company. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Now, a little peek behind the curtain for everybody on a gorgeous, absolutely perfect, hope you are set for a big-time weekend Friday. My name is Jay Quarry, Jimmy Cook, the other voice you hear on this program. Nathaniel, don't call me Atticus because that joke got old three months ago. Jake Finch is running the big board for us as the uh, interim but soon-to-be co-CEO. Eddie Garrison on vacation in Colorado sending us pictures from mountaintops. I got in here, I don't know. Probably earlier today than most days, probably 15, 20 minutes ago. And aside from being locked out of my computer, which always makes me think I've probably been fired. Been sitting here and Jimmy's been so adamantly trying to help me figure out how to get into my computer that he he has not even noticed the biggest elephant in the room. I have not. And before you reveal that, I think I realized what happened. Okay. The computer is so used to your 1154 sign-in that it was so surprised <laughs> that it got hit with an it's 1140 like, login. It was like, this is a hack. The computer's like, Clearly. No. The, it, it, it's used to 1154 and I tried to log in at 1145. We've been and compromised. It's like, I'm not dyslexic. Come on now. We've been compromised. Security alert. This happens to me every so often where I just get locked up. And then, of course, I'm like, did I forget my password? Because I have literally 75 passwords. Look. And I will even divulge this to people. When I was a kid, I got a box of honeycomb cereal, and in it came a bicycle license plate, right? Okay. The bicycle license plate, so it's a little tiny fake-looking license plate that goes on your bike. My dad wired it with some some little wire on the back of the, the banana seat of my Schwinn Stingray. It was an Alabama license plate. Back then, Jimmy, every state had their own respective. Like, you name the state, I can tell you exactly what their license plate looked like. Na- name a state east that, like, within around here that people would know. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania's plate were like a navy blue with yellow writing, and it said Keystone State, Pennsylvania. Uh, Michigan were were all navy, kind of a navy royal blue, like a darker royal blue. Tennessee. Uh, and they had white, and it just said Great Lakes. Tennessee, good one. Tennessee was white with the state of Tennessee in the like subtly in the middle. The entire outline of the state was in the middle of it. And I think I think Tennessee was green and orange. Florida was definitely white with green writing, the Sunshine State. But you get my point. Uh, Alabama simply said Heart of Dixie. White plate, Heart of Dixie. The the license plate number of that license plate on my Schwinn Stingray is my password for everything. There's no way anybody would ever know that, right? I mean, know that it, that was your password or be able to find it now? Because I feel like now that you divulged, good luck. If they want to find the pass, if they want to find the license, the fictional honeycomb license plate number of my 1979 <laughs> Schwinn Stingray on an Alabama license plate, have at. I still have the plate, but that's my password for everything, and apparently it's been locked out. Uh, good afternoon to you on a Friday. What Jimmy has not even noticed, I, I can't even tell you my level of disappointment. 
Oh, you did it. Come on now. You did it. Let's go. Matthew and, Ma- and, it, and actually, you know what? People in New Zealand, I realize, are, are shorter than here. I forgot this is an extra large, and it's a little small. It's you, a little short on You did it does nothing for anybody. I realize that in a listening audience. I so we, I don't even know how it came about, but we had mentioned something about New Zealand, and I said, I have a shirt from TV New Zealand when I was a freelance stringer for them during the World Basketball Championships. So I am wearing today my TV New Zealand shirt. This is basically the same as... Like when you see somebody on NBC wearing a golf shirt that has the NBC logo on it. That's what this is. So my TV New Zealand shirt. It's not, other than the side, like the the weird kind of like design on the on the sleeves, Jimmy. It, otherwise, it looks like a fairly normal shirt, is it not? Yes. That's why I didn't initially catch it. So I was like, okay. What let's... about the sleeves, though? A little much? It, it, I was reading Tropical Vibes all the way around for what it's worth. Well, it's tropical outside, right? That's why I did initially catch my drift. Plenty to get to today. Colts-Texans coming up on Sunday. Big weekend in college football, high school football as well. Kyle Nidenrip will join us coming up here in just about 25 minutes to preview where your favorite school is playing tonight. Maybe your kids are playing tonight in high school football. I do love, and I have mentioned before, Jimmy. So I worked, and I think a lot of people forget this, but, but I worked from oh i don't know i mean a handful it's the first seven or eight years of my career i worked at channel six in the sports office with dave first um and we had great times ed Sorensen before before dave although then i was just kind of a, a running producer but i really don't miss a lot about it. i enjoyed working at channel six i'd been there forever i had grown up basically as a kid there and cut my teeth there from the time i was in the sixth grade going down there and shadowing ed Sorensen, but I don't. There's not a lot I miss about working in television. It's totally different than working in radio. And you know, you you, you work and you're gone all day, and then you end up getting you know for four minutes at eleven o'clock at night, right? And even that's dwindled now. Obviously, within local sports and television, that's a whole different talk show. But the one thing, and I never thought I would say this, the one thing that I loved the most. I mean, I covered IU games. I covered Colts Super Bowl runs, all of it, right? The one thing I missed more than than anything else was Friday Night Football. I loved it. Going on Friday nights, we would go, we, we would divvy it up where you would get paired with two games. And it would always be two games that are close to one another geographic. So you would go to, give me a school off the top of your head. Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon. Okay, so Mount Vernon up in McCordsville, right? Fortville, whatever. So you'd go to Mount Vernon. Let's say that, you know, Mount Vernon's off to a 4-0 start. They're really good. So I would go to, like, the first half of the Mount Vernon game and then pair that with another school that is nearby for the second half. So let's say then we'd, we'd stop by Fishers on the way back, and then you would do a package where you combined both games. Meanwhile, game number two, da-da-da, and go back and furiously edit it and try to get it on the air, and we try to get as many games and as many scores in the ticker as possible. This was, you know, it was a different era. But I loved it, and... You know, one of the, the probably the most fun things for me was going in the helicopter. And I mean, partially just because it was cool to like, you know, you're landing the helicopter, you could see everybody got all excited that helicopter's landing, and then they're disappointed because they realize it's not Calabro. But <laughs> but nonetheless, like, it was just awesome. Like, I, I went one time, if you can believe this, Hamilton Southeastern was playing in a semi state game in Merrillville. Okay. And, I, and I took Skycam 6 from here and took the helicopter up to Merrillville to cover the game, like to, That's to awesome. get highlights of the game, which is crazy, right, in hindsight. And then on the way back, I mean, this was really modern technology for like 2006 or whatever it was. 
we realized we didn't have time to make it all the way back to the station. So they hovered the helicopter over probably Kokomo and we edited in the helicopter and then fed it via satellite back <laughs> from the air. But I'm telling you something, you're hovering in a helicopter for like 30 minutes, just like kind of stationary. Yeah. Not, no bueno. I mean, it was definitely like, whoa, like the helicopter was fun as hell, but that was like, that was nerve wracking. You understand when you say, and I know this, but maybe the audience doesn't. When you say, I took Chopper 6, it's hard for someone not to think that perhaps you were piloting said Chopper. No, I was not. I can assure you of that. <laughs> I was not the pilot. Uh, we sat Actually, the photographer and I sat in the back, and uh, Randy was the pilot. And there was one time, I kid you not, true story. We take off from the heliport right here by Banker's Life. We take off, and as soon as we get in the air, Randy says, hey, there's an accident on 465, and before we, I think we were going out to Plainfield. Before we get to Plainfield, we've got to hover over 465 and get aerials of this accident because traffic's backed up. Okay? So we get to the area. Eldon is the photographer, and there's the, there's a camera in the base of the helicopter that he can, like, maneuver, right? So they tilt the helicopters for better camera angles. So now I'm sitting on the side... The, the the lower side being tilted and i kid you not true story the window that the, there was a slide window and it wasn't all the way closed when we took off and the wind caught a hold of it and it slid the window all the way out and then propped the door ajar by like a half a second like a half an inch as i was <laughs> leaning like at a 40 degree angle towards the ground like you know 800 feet in the air and i'm like yeah we might want to go back and land so we went back and landed randy gets out like like duct tape and duct tapes this thing together and it's like all right let's go to playing field i'm like man i'll tell you what that that 465 accident might be that might not be the only breaking news right we got a um, seatbelt somewhere on this yeah craft, no, man it was i was belted in trust me but it was like whoa um so let's talk about last night vikings and eagles you watch much of the game i did i had forgotten jimmy Old habits die hard. Indeed. I turn on the television. I get to Shannon's house. I turn on the television. I had to wait through 20 minutes of Real Housewives of whatever county it was. Probably orange. And then, and, and it's always like, oh, we just got to watch five, five more minutes. These girls get in a fight. It's five more minutes. And then 30 minutes later, I'm like. It happens at the cookhouse sometimes. Yeah. Just Orange County, though, at the cookhouse. But yeah. So I get the remote, and I'm like, oh, okay. And I immediately flip over to ESPN because I'm like, Vikings, oh. Eagles. And it's Memphis, and I can't remember who they're playing. <laughs> Memphis had these uniforms that look kind of like the uh, the Hershey Kisses with the peppermint mixed in. Okay. The white chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Except for it was blue and white. So then I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, that's right. The game. I'll bet the game must be on Fox or NFL Network. Oh, man. And then it dawns on me. I'm like, oh. I mean, this is like year three of it. You think I know by now. The only problem I have with that. I think you're and, safe. I think it's only year two. Okay. I think you're safe. The only problem I have with... The Amazon Prime, and, and maybe this is, and I mean, believe me, if you know Shannon Walsh, we're talking the most state-of-the-art television, like, <laughs> I mean, we, we, we watch, you know, occasionally just for fun, we watch soap operas in Bangladesh because it's on one of the channels she has. I mean, she has every single app, everything, everything on it, right? It's This This isn't just a smart TV. This is a Doogie Howser TV, well done. right? Yes. So, so people that are like, you just don't know what you're doing. No, trust me. Uh, uh, the remote itself... The, like the remote that she has it literally looks like a, a a calculator right so but when i go to when i when i say to it like nfl amazon prime i mean it takes it, it, it 
I mean, it's probably first world problems here. It's probably 60 seconds, but it felt like it took forever to load. Then it loads and it's like, what do you want to watch? The only problem with it is, and this is smart by Amazon on Amazon's behalf. And I know that there are probably some TVs and remotes now that, that avoid this particular thing, but at least on her system, once you're into watching an app, you can't just like immediately flip to another channel and go, but you know how you, you can't yeah. channel surf basically. Correct. You can, but like it's, it takes you forever to get back to the menu and then the guide and now you're back on regular cable. Correct. And then, so that part of it, it's like, once you're locked in, baby, you are locked in, right? You got three or four steps to get back to the home screen. You want to back I, out. I understand. Speaking of, speaking of the home screen, I'm still not there on this. Try, trying to get logged in here. I still think your best bet, maybe we'll do it during the break, will be to use the guest account login. But before we proceed any further, because I do want to talk about Thursday Night Football, um, is this your password? No, but that looks that's good. Okay. There's an Alabama license plate you found. Is that off eBay? It's from eBay, 1980, uh, Honeycomb, post-serial license plate, Alabama, Heart of Dixie. No, listen, they got a lot of prisoners in Alabama, Jimmy, so they made a lot of different plates. <laughs> I right? figured as much. I clicked through three different sets of Honeycomb collector's edition plates and finally found an Alabama one. Thought maybe that was the one. I'll continue my search. That's not it. All right. But I appreciate the effort. Thank you. Now I'm worried. I'm like, oh man, what That's if it's saying? Because collectors like- are weird, man. Like I guarantee you, there's a complete set from 1975 well, of Alabama license plate from Honeycomb. Truthfully, that's only part of the. the All right, well that's good. That's good. Then. Now I notice, by the way, when I'm trying to log in the computer, the last person to log into this was Mark Dykton. Do you think he did some funny business to this? Think he pulled a prank on you? You guys have that kind of rapport together from Querying Company that he would do, or not Querying Company? I mean, this Querying Company from Kevin Query. It's entirely possible that he he did that. I don't know, but it's annoying me. Um, I think the Colts are going to win on Sunday. I know that we usually wait until the end of the show, but but when I look at this game, Jimmy, it seems to me that the Colts, like... They're actually better. A week ago, we were asking, where are the Colts better position-wise? And you can point to specific position groups when you line them up against the Texans and say, yeah, I think they're better. Wide receiver room. I think they're better. If John Mechie plays, that might change some things because of the just mystery of what he's going to be. But wide receiver room, I think they're better. Defensively, I think they're better. Will Anderson offsets a little bit, but I think body of work, they're a better team. I will give the running back room to the Texans as things stand because I think Damian Pierce, a talented back, he showed that last year. Don't let him get hot early. But there are areas of this matchup where you can point to it and say, I think the Colts are a better team. Last week, you couldn't do that. That's my that's my thought on it anyway. It, the Colts' offense is not overly loaded with talent. But I definitely feel like the they have more talent right now at skill positions than does Houston. I think C.J. Stroud's going to be a really good player, but I just don't think that... The Colts are not oozing it, but Michael Pittman, I think, is better than a... Like, right now... You know, you saw in the second half once Richardson kind of got settled in that he can go to him. That is something that is an area of comfort for him. Um, the running back position is certainly of big concern, no doubt about that. But and how much are they going to design plays for Anthony Richardson? I guess the biggest question mark in this game, Jimmy, is going to be can they protect Richardson, especially with the likes of a Will Anderson and a banged up offensive line for the Colts? Right. Right. I mean, that you saw a week ago, and I get it. I said this on Kevin's Corner earlier this week. I know they play two different positions, and they impact the game in different ways, but you saw a career-high day for Josh Allen last week, Jaguars' Josh Allen, as even Jaguars.com feels the need to clarify that, which I understand. 
Jaguars Josh Allen, three sacks, career high for him. Will Anderson Jr., the tape shows he's a game wrecker. He's shown that one game into his NFL career that he's capable of changing games if you allow him to do so. It's a big test for the Colts because not only are you going to ask an offensive line that if they need to, to to maybe consider either having extra help on that side or I don't know that it'll get to a point to a double team necessarily, but you're so keyed in on Will Anderson Jr., what does the rest of this Texan defensive line do against a Colts offensive line that still needs to prove itself? That's a big test going into this matchup. Yeah, I um, I just think. What did you say is your is your score prediction? I know we used to do that at the end of the show, but uh, twenty. Let me find it. Twenty seven thirteen coats. I think that's exactly what I said. I might have said twenty seven seventeen, but is there anything about Houston that jumps out at you that you can like? If you, what is their identity? I mean, they. Game script and their inability to stay competitive offensively a week ago pretty much nullified what Damian Pierce can do for their offense. Now, the reason I'm, again, not scared of that type of identity is I think the combo of what the Jaguars were able to offer from a running standpoint is better than what Houston can. And I thought the Colts did rather well up until those final two drives against the run. So as long as you're able to jump on Houston and get an early lead, I think you should be able to dictate the proceedings and pull away in this game. If it's a close battle, the identity of the Texans, they're in the same boat as the Colts. They don't really have one. They have a quarterback that doesn't have weapons around him that had world-class talent at wide receiver when he was at Ohio State. He was running for his life. So unless you're able to let him get comfy in the pocket... I think you can make life very, very difficult on C.J. Stroud, eliminate the running game from this matchup, and I don't want to say coast to victory because I know it's very scary for a team that's projected to win just over six and a half games, but there are games on the schedule, and the reason why people pick the Colts to go over this year and win total, there are games on the schedule where even though the Colts are a train wreck, there's a worse train wreck on the schedule they have to play against, and that's the Houston Texans. That's it. Well, that's it. This is one of the two, right? Yes. I mean, it doesn't kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yes. I, I do think that they're going to win a handful more games than people thought. I mean, I think that they, what's your ceiling on number of games they can win after you've seen week one now? Didn't change because I thought they were going to lose. I thought Jacksonville would sweep them. So doesn't really change for me in that regard. I, I would say they have to win this week for this to stay that number. I would say probably seven. I think seven's my number. And I know that's kind of a cop out because it was, oh, over under six and a half. Very deep ledge you're standing on there. Yeah, I get it. But about seven wins, I'd say. Where were you at? I think seven's fair. I mean, I think that originally with the new quarterback, you think like four to five. But, and again, one of the things that's so hard, Jimmy, the reality is this, and this is why it's the 800-pound gorilla amongst the sports culture in the United States. The reason the NFL is so popular, and I know that the cliche of any given Sunday is a little played out, but I'll, I'll take that one step further. Any given year. And in other words, like Major League Baseball, opening day rolls around, Cincinnati, Fans lined up forever. Mr. Redlegs is walking around. Everybody pretends that there wasn't actually a major league game between the Mariners and the Athletics in Tokyo the week before, and this is truly like opening day of baseball yep. and tradition. <laughs> and 
you know, in in Boston, Patriots Day, and in the Boston Marathon, and the Red Sox are getting ready to kick off the year. Dunkin' Donuts. That's right. <laughs> Dun- Did you see the thing about the Dunkin' Donuts coffee that's got sixteen hundred grams of sugar in it or something like no, that? I everybody's that. loading up on those. But that's what they're doing. Pittsburgh. Everybody's excited. They got their black and yellow, and they're ready for the year. And in reality, those people all know we're super psyched for opening day because, like, come two weeks from now, we're out of it. We suck. We've sucked for three for three decades. We ain't gonna win eighty games. But hope springs eternal. Yes. Hope springs eternal till tax time, and then we're all done, right? <laughs> but in the National Football League, you can be the you can be the Indianapolis Colts and go one and fifteen. And then all of a sudden you draft a quarterback number one overall and you've got a wide receiver that finds the fountain of youth and you get a line that plays well together. And lo and behold, here we go, baby. Double-digit wins. Let's go. Schedule is catered towards us because we weren't good a year ago, so it's a little bit easier. We made one or two tweaks and adjustments. Things bounced our way. And all of a sudden, here come the playoffs. And that's in the NFL, that's how it works. There is going to be a team last year that was a contender. I don't know which one it would be. Maybe it's Jacksonville. Maybe it's Buffalo. Maybe it's Philadelphia. I don't think so, but you never know. There's going to be one of those teams that this year falls flat on their face. And then there's going to be another team that last year people were laughing about. I'm like, well, this is a homecoming game. I've got tickets to go see my team play against this team, and guess what? I'm putting on eBay because who wants to see that? It's going to be 35 nothing in the first. <laughs> it's a good chance for me to write it off on my taxes. And then, boom, that team all of a sudden this year is going to be a contender. That's, what the, that's why the NFL is as popular as it is. The two biggest reasons for the NFL's popularity are simple. The first is, for that reason, the fact that on any given year, your team can catch lightning in a bottle and make a run. And it's catered towards them doing that if they were not good the year before. So long droughts. Like you've got to be historically inept to be the Houston Texans and go like six straight years of suck. That, that like that's hard to do, right? Yes. The second reason, quite frankly, is because of fantasy football and like confidence pools. Because what happened was just like the NCAA tournament. The NCAA tournament in 1979 when Indiana State and Michigan State were playing wasn't a huge deal. The NCAA tournament when Indiana beat North Carolina in 1981, it was a big deal, becoming bigger, but it wasn't a massive deal. The NCAA tournament became what it was and what it is when NCAA tournament brackets and office pools became a thing and all of these dorks that sat around and ran all the the, the numbers and the, the QVCs and the PRNs and the, the MRNAs and all this of all these different teams and they had all the reasons to win. And then the the woman in accounting that's never watched a basketball game in her life wins the office pool and takes home their 1500 bucks because she voted on mascots. And then all of a sudden, and I don't mean women, I mean men too, but people that are not interested in sports suddenly now have a rooting interest because of auxiliary games attributed to those sports, and that's where they become so popular. That's why the NFL is the reason why we talk about it 75% of every show that we do. But a big part of it is that first part, which is the fact that one of these two teams, Jimmy, may surpass people this year and surprise people, and this actually could be if you were going to make a storyline out of it, the game that catapults one of those two franchises into that boulder in the stream direction, getting off to a good start and getting a win you need. 
Man, I hope it's the Colts. And I don't say that for our fans or listeners. I say that because if it's not the Colts, you're right. It's going to happen. I just would be, if you gave me the AFC, I know this is probably not an apples to oranges example, and I'd probably be laying huge money on this. But if you gave me teams not named Jacksonville in the AFC South, so the Titans, the Colts, the Texans, or the field of non-playoff teams a year ago, I would take the field. I don't. I don't think that story that you're highlighting, which happens almost every year, lives in the South. Would you rather – do you think Colts fans this year – would Colts fans this year rather go to Lucas Oil Stadium on Sundays knowing they've got a puncher's chance at getting – at being a 500 team and being competitive every – like every game you drive down there, you know that there's a chance you're going to see them win – or would they be willing to sit through another year of suck and then get Marvin Harrison Jr.? Yes. I mean, look, the crazed fan that misses the glory days of this franchise wants the first side of things. But where we're building, or the Colts are building for where this team can be, the number one wide receiver of the Anthony Richardson era is not on this team. And if you tell me that I have to sit through one more bad year, but then that answer comes with the third pick in the 2023 NFL draft, I'll power through one more year. Can you imagine two things here? As long as my caveat also is I need growth from Anthony Richardson too. That's the other key. That's my only trade-off. Otherwise, yeah, be competitive in every game and then lose on a Matt Gay shank. Can you imagine? And first off, the Marvin Harrison Jr. thing is funny to me because you're not you're not going to have to be in the top two probably to get him. More than likely not, no. But you're going to have to be high up there. But it is funny to me. I remember the year, like a year before LeBron James had his initial Cleveland rookie contract expiring. Every team in the league quietly is like, you know what they're doing? They're shedding cap space, and they're not. They're really not like that worried about the record because they're freeing up money because they're going to pursue LeBron James when his contract's up. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, 13 other teams are doing that, right? Everybody was doing it. Yeah. The Marvin Harrison Jr. thing, people are like, you know, they ought to, what they should do is like not be very good and then go in the draft and they can, <laughs> they, they might be able to get Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. Okay. Except for that, like, you know, every team in the league knows how good he is. Jim Irsay, can you imagine the draft day phone call of that when they call, you know, they do the little videos? Marvin, man, like, you know, I remember your dad, like the bobbling catches against the Titans, and now you got like Hannah blocking for you. You joke. I've been asking for that content straight into my veins for the last year. Since the draft ended this past year, all I've dreamed of is that content Clinton, on Colts.com. Like, you know, you're like John Hannah just blowing guys <laughs> off the line. You're going to be a Hall of Famer. The, the phone call he'd make to Marvin Harrison Jr. And then, if Marvin Harrison Jr. gets drafted by the Colts next year and within two weeks doesn't immediately have a car wash endorsement deal in town, then there's <laughs> zero marketing people in the city. Plain and simple, right? Yes. I mean, we're not going to mix that with, with Don Davis. <laughs> we don't want him doing both ads. You know what I'm saying. Uh, Kyle Nittenrip. Little high school football talk on the other side. It is Query and Company here. Welcome to the company, everybody. We're hiring again today until 3 o'clock. It's 93.5-1075 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
and Company on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. There are a few things as exciting, as thrilling as a Friday night under the lights for high school football. One of the best, most comprehensive reporter for high school sports is our next guest, Kyle Netrip. Nice stuff to join us. Covers all things high school athletics for the Indy Star. Kyle, how are you on a Friday? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great. Are you as emotional as I am that there's only five weeks left of this thing regular season-wise? Yeah, it doesn't seem possible, does it? Halfway through the through the uh, regular season already tonight. So, uh, yeah, it, I don't know why. Football seems to fly by every year. I, I guess just getting older. Well, welcome to the club. <laughs> um, all right, so let's begin with this, Kyle. The, the best game of tonight, the, team, the game that you're locked in on and it's like this is the big one that is maybe a separating game is who? Oh, boy. Tonight's a kind of a t- – I'm actually going to go to Ben Davis and watch uh, Warren Central BD, the east side, west side. But I, I would say, you know, there's two other games, Fishers-Brownsburg and Westfield-HSE. And I would probably favor Westfield-HSE maybe as the top game just because both teams are undefeated. Uh, it's a rematch of last year. Uh, both these teams, you know, they, they've played twice last year. Uh, HSC beat them both times and then uh, came within one game of making the state finals and it's kind of been a motivator for them uh, throughout the offseason so you know, a lot of lot of explosion on that HSC offense and and uh, you know just a really good team and I think Westfield is probably you know I, I wrote this in the predictions column but maybe a little bit under the radar even even though they're they've been a really great program under under uh, Jay Gilbert but uh, but uh, you know th- we'll see we'll find out tonight they've won some close games uh hse won a really great game last week against fishers in the mudsock game and uh see how they come off that game and also fishers tonight finding out how they come off that loss an emotional loss to a rival now you got to go uh, play a brownsburg team that's ranked number one and six a now on the road um so you know two th- both those games are really good i'm uh, intrigued. I haven't seen Ben Davis in person yet, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that one t- tonight, too, against uh, a Warren Central's team I haven't seen either uh, that has a really strong junior class. And Fishers, if I'm not mistaken, Kyle, has – you correct me if I'm wrong here – they've got one of the more dynamic offensive talents in the area that was recently offered by Indiana, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, that's right. Kobe Martin, uh, who's committed to Miami of Ohio, but, uh, you know, last week uh, I covered the Noblesville-Fishers game, and he – he had a great game there, uh, or two weeks ago, I guess it is now. But uh, IU was there watching him. Uh, then he goes out and has 285 yards against HSE last week, and and that was uh, about as impressive of a performance as you'll see. And you know he was running around and through and, and over people, and you know so now he's got this IU offer, and you know I'm I'm curious if what that will do to his recruitment. Obviously, he's got you know that's a, a Big Ten offer, and. I would think would be pretty intriguing for him. So I think he probably knew it was coming. He, I think maybe even thought it would come last week. But uh, yeah, that just came through last night. Uh, the kid is the kid is a really really good running back, and you know I would you know put him up against about anybody. Brownsburg's got a good one too, and Garrett Cheryl, who they're playing against tonight. So yeah, that's a great matchup of of two of the best running backs in the state. When it comes to so he had verbally committed to Miami, correct? Correct. And then Indiana continue to recruit him and i know that that's not uncommon but is it a bad look 
I don't think so. I mean, this is kind of the the way of football has been for a long time. You, you don't see this in basketball as much, I would say, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, football, it's almost like you get offered and then commit, and then your recruitment really starts. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of the it's kind of the nature of it. And you know, I think Kobe's deserving of a of a a big 10 offer in my opinion. So I'm sure Miami of Ohio doesn't feel great, you know, about it right now, but, but, uh, it's kind of the nature of it. I would say, I mean, I, I don't think it's a bad look. I mean, gosh, it's, it happens all the time. It's not, it's not a specific program thing. It's not a, you know, it's just the the way it is in football. I always say when they, you know, that's what you hear a lot is, you know, once they commit, then the recruitment really starts. So I think kids get locked in, you know, if they have an opportunity to, to get locked in somewhere and that may be end up where they, where they end up going. Uh, but, uh, you know, it doesn't keep you from getting other offers and, and probably taking some visits and, and finding out, you know, where, where it is you exactly fit in. Speaking of Indiana, Kyle, I want to be, and here's the thing, Kyle, you and I, and this is what's fascinating to me about like my job and what we do. And I think that People probably would be, people will ask me every once in a while, like, hey, how well do you know so and so or so and so? You and I are two guys that, for example, we've had, I think, two phone conversations, not necessarily about sports, more about like our interests outside of sports that align with one another. Um, if I was walking through Kroger and you were walking down the bread aisle and I was walking up the bread aisle, it, it probably would take both of us a second to realize that we were both in the bread aisle. Um, but I would say that we are good acquaintances. Is that a fair way of saying it? Yeah, I would okay. say so. So so as my good acquaintance, I like to do favors for people, Kyle. And so the favor that I'm going to I'm going to do to you is twofold here. The first is I'm going to allow you to to uh, curry favor within your own department by going ahead and tipping off uh, the the college folks that Indiana is going to stun Michigan on the 14th of October. So go ahead and write the headline now. They can do kind of a skeleton story, have it ready to go, and then when it happens, boom, there's no deadline worry at all. I got this bad boy already written, and it's off and set. And and so you can do that, and then your coworkers will love you. And then for yourself, here's the tip I'm going to give you. Go ahead right now and start the headline. Indianapolis North Central stuns Cathedral tonight. The Panthers, hail our Panthers, hats off to thee. They're starting from the ground up, and they just hit like an express elevator that just took them all the way past floors 12 through 18 and right to the top. There you go. That's my upset pick of the night. Your thoughts? I would be surprised i would say um but if you're calling that who am i to say you know who might who might who might have judged uh-huh. uh, that prediction uh, you know i know it's an uphill climb i know uh i know Derek hart and i know uh he's capable of of, of doing it uh, but i think it's going to take a little while and they just you know I, I think the the process for them this year is just to get everything in place and and that's down to the youth program, down, you know, everything you have to do to, to build a program. I will say, I mean, Cathedral, I covered that uh, weird game last week, or at least the second half of it, when uh, Chittard came back and beat them on Saturday morning. They had to move that game and, and play it at Chittard Saturday morning, went over there to cover it, and, uh, you know, that was a that was a stunner. Uh, Chittard came back. They were actually down 21 nothing, cut it to 21-10 at halftime, had a 12-hour halftime uh, because of the light situation in Arlington, came back Saturday morning and, and beat Cathedral. So, you know, Cathedral's a little bit – they've been a little bit, uh, I would say, sloppy with the football turnovers, just haven't uh, – their secondary struggled somewhat. Uh, they're still a really good team, and Bill Peebles does a great job, and, and they've got one of the best quarterbacks in the in the state in Danny O'Neill. So, you know, I wouldn't uh, – 
you know, I wouldn't, uh, you know, say it's over for them by any means, but, you know, they need to get a win, I know. And, and, uh, that was a, for Chittard, man, that's about like the Super Bowl beating Cathedral. That was, that was quite a scene over there Saturday morning. Well, I, you know what? Cathedral, and I, I like Bill Peebles a great deal. Like him a lot. Love his family, all of them. Love all of them. Um, but, you know, it's going to be another week before they uh, get the win, right? Because I'm telling you tonight, <laughs> hail our Panthers, baby. I'll be marching up and down 86th Street. That's the headline. If they if they beat Cathedral, that'll <laughs> definitely be the headline. That's right. Large streaking man on 86th Street headed to the fountains. Um, Kyle, we, we talked a little bit about, like, the best players in the area, but, but I always like to feature – or, or talk about and give credit to a team that maybe is not one that gets talked about a lot, but you look at it and you go, you know what, that's a group of kids that have really worked hard, that have that are exceeding expectation, and right now are just a really good story. That would be who? Well, if you want to check out my uh, my Greenwood story from earlier this week, I would, uh, you know, that that's kind of fits along with what you're saying. Uh, I would say Greenwood's been a program that they've had success. You know, Mike Campbell. Uh, led them to the uh, semi-state in 2017, but then they haven't had a, a winning season since then. And it's been a real struggle. Uh, the last they were one in uh, what were they one in nine last year? Only had one win, and uh, you know just haven't won a lot recently. And then this year, all of a sudden, uh, Justin Bozer comes in. Uh, he was a Clarksville coach, but uh, Hamilton Heights, you know, played uh, played football there, and and uh, St. Francis, and you know, he's come in, and they they they're running this offense that's kind of you know lighting it up. They play in this gray uh, turf field, which is it's it's definitely different. It's not for everybody, but it's uh it's their new uh, kind of just their new look, and they did get smacked pretty good by Mooresville last week, but. But off to a three and one start, and I think is it kind of fits with what you're saying there. You know, their offense is just uh, you know they they throw the ball really well. They, they've got really good receivers. Um, Brock Riddle, their quarterback's putting up all kinds of numbers, and you know you can really sense you know the start of a of a school year is always kind of the you know the, the football season. People you know that's people are excited, and and it's it's. I think they've kind of captured the, you know, kind of the attention of their school and, and, you know, getting some excitement going. It kind of changes sometimes the, just the outlook at your school when your football team's doing well. So, you know, that's, I know they're hoping for more and the mid-state conference is really, uh, really good this year. And they have a tough game at Plainfield tonight. And I would favor Plainfield probably to win that game. Uh, but, but yeah, I think that kind of fits, you know, I don't know how they'll end up record wise this season, but, uh, you know, they're kind of building the, the early building blocks of, of getting things turned around there. And that's definitely a team I would say that kind of fits what you're talking about. Kyle Netrum with us covers all things high school sports for the Indy Star. Kyle, in your rundown of Week Five matchups to watch for, there are two matchups of note that have long winning streaks attached to them. Uh, on the parochial side, Ron Colley travels to Garen Catholic. The Royals have won seven straight against the Golden Eagles. Meanwhile, Carmel has won six straight against Lawrence North. Do either of those streaks get snapped tonight? I, I actually think both of them will. Uh, I was actually up at Garen today uh, for a, uh, you know, doing a, their conference leadership. Uh, conference deal there but uh but yeah they're i know they're looking forward to that game um you know i think this is a year you know they have a really good quarterback ryan zimmerman but their defense is, is very good and ron Colley also has a really good defense and obviously they've got their tradition on their side but uh their offense is a little bit young uh so I, this is a great opportunity i think for garen and and I'm pretty sure they they play uh, Chittard next week, if I remember right, or the week uh, one coming up. I think it's next week, uh, so that could be one versus two and three a when those teams play. Uh, 
Um, so yeah, I'm picking that one. And then Lawrence North, the uh, Carmel is really interesting to me too. Almost thought about going out. We'll have somebody out there tonight, but, uh, but yeah, six in a row, uh, for Carmel. And I think 25 and three, uh, all time. So it's been a series Carmel's dominated, but you know, this Lawrence North team has really built some confidence with, uh, you know, wins over LC. That was, that was a big win at Lucas oil. And, and just really the last few years under Pat Mallory have, uh, just, just kind of stabilized their program quite a bit. They have a, a, uh, freshman running back too, which you don't see hardly ever a freshman at the six, a level doing what he's doing. Isavion Moore, uh, I think he's going to be a thousand yard guy when it's all said and done this year, at least. And then real, they've got some super, uh, uh speedy receivers, uh, and Tanner Aspel at their quarterback, very good player as well. So yeah, I, I'm picking Lawrence North and, and I would love to see that game. I think it'll be a really good game. Uh, Carmel's been a team where, you know, they're playing these out of state teams. So you don't know for sure. You know, you just don't know, uh, where they're at exactly, but, uh, 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 Coach Ebert out there always does a great job too. So that'll be, I think it'd be a really interesting game. Uh, but yeah, I'm picking both those upsets, and uh, you know, I think they'll both be close games. But I think those those teams have Lawrence North and Garen both have a chance to end those streaks. You can read, of course, Kyle's work in the Indianapolis Star talking about again Carmel now taking on after playing some out of state schools, Cathedral tonight playing out of world North Central and getting stunned. You can read about that tomorrow morning. Um, and then Shelbyville, man, how about my Golden Bears, Kyle? Three and one, big one against Greenfield Central. Um, but you know, I, I'm when it comes to, I, I'm like a, a, I don't even know what the word is, unilateral. What's the word for? I got two schools. I'm bipolar when it comes to my my fandom. Okay. I support North Central, but I lived until I was six in Shelbyville, so I claim the Golden Bears. But they're actually Shelbyville's off to a good start, man. That's a big one tonight for Greenfield Central, suburban wise. Absolutely, I'm happy that they're uh, they they have really struggled. I actually went down there and did a story on them a couple of years ago, kind of when they were going through that. Uh, process and 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 it was just a you know they were getting almost shut out seemed like about every week for for two or three years and uh you know talked to mike clevenger who's coaching there at the time and some of their players and you know it's a real you know every game felt like they were getting a running clock uh but now you know three and one that's about uh as big a surprise you mentioned that that's probably another good one to point out uh three and one on the season and coming off a win last week uh over newcastle their schedule now gets quite a bit tougher you know greenfield central is very good um you know that's a program that's that's been on the upswing another you know that hoosier heritage conference seems to get better too mount vernon and uh, pendleton heights is good this year greenfield's good of course new pal is always is always a new pal so uh yeah that'll be a tough challenge but yeah glad to see that it's hard to get a football program turned around it's just a, a numbers game a lot of times and and just a lot lot to do that probably more than any sport but uh, glad to see shelbyville having some success Kyle, appreciate the uh, time as always. Look forward to your coverage and all the games tonight. Enjoy it out there covering them, and then we will read about them tomorrow in the Indianapolis Star. Appreciate it as always. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, again, Kyle Nidrip of the Indianapolis Star on the hotline. By the way, one feature that um, I brainstormed and I ran it past the, the company that I guess will start next Friday. There's really no timetable on it, but – um, I'm going to need the help of the company here, Jimmy. The company being all of the listeners of the program, right? I have a, I have a venture, I have a project, I have a brainstorm idea that I am going to throw to the company and let all of our employees put together. I'm not trying to, to pawn it off, but I need their help. So if you're listening to the show, I need your help with a program that we're going to be putting together here as part of the company. And I'll tell everybody what that is on the other side. You're listening to Query and Company, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to Query and Company on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. So, Jimmy, I don't know much about anything, but there are some things that I have an assumption on, Okay. One of them, and I, and I realize at this point, I mentioned this like every five days. People are probably tired of hearing about it. But I do know this. Um, when I survived a massive heart attack, my first thought when I walked out of the hospital was, well, two. One of them was, um, man, that doctor was really cool. And I look forward to the day that Jimmy Cook has to buy him a six-pack of Pabst Blue Ribbon because the Chiefs got beat by the Lions, and I'll bet Jimmy never pays up. I'm and I was right about that. Monday. Um <laughs> I'm kidding. The you're store, right. They're the not, store in Carmel only had a 30-pack. I was right. not spending $25 on a Lions-Chiefs uh, win. Was it's, not not, it. it's not easy to find <laughs> in your defense. But um, when I walked out of there, I thought to myself, because there is a survivor guilt for certain, and I thought, okay, if, if I was able to walk away from what I just went through, then I do think that I have an obligation to occasionally remind people of ways that they can avoid what I just went through because no one wants to go through that I can assure you but the other thing is I just feel like we live in a world with social media and everything else today's a gorgeous day outside but it's becoming harder and harder to go throughout your day without at least once being bumped by a rain cloud of toxicity within society People are arguing about everything. People are always people are just constantly at each other. Every it, 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 we are so polarized. It's exhausting, and it's not just exhausting for me. It's exhausting for everybody. There are so many good stories in sports, and I'm talking about the stories of a high school athlete that came back from a devastating injury that's now on the field, or a special needs student that finally got an opportunity to to find belonging through. Um, partnership in sports or uh, you know a coach that had a, a family tragedy and the team rallied behind him there's so many stories that should be uplifting people that get muted out by just the toxic crap that takes place so I decided that each Friday and I need audience participation here I need people to email me my email at the radio station is jake.query at radio-1.com little convoluted um, or you could just do Jake. I think it's, yeah, well, jake.query at radio-1.com. Or, as I always like to say, my two favorite people, jakequery at me.com. Very easy to remember because they're my two favorite people, jakequery at me.com. <laughs> Either of those email addresses or my cell phone number, most people have it, 317-523-9288. You know, you've given out potentially part of a password that you use for everything today. We're steps away from social security numbers being That's right. out there. I feel That's like right. I'm, I'm, I'm nobody's, worried about that Nobody's going to figure out the password, I can assure you. <laughs> but um, if you know a feel-good story like that, we're going to do a segment each Friday called Feel Good Friday, 
where I'm going to tell the story about something that uplifts people, that's a happy story that will get you started for the weekend on a positive note. And then at the end of it, I will give you a simple reminder to get a heart scan for $49.99 at any of the area hospitals to make sure that you are staying heart healthy or maybe just a simple tip to help people out, especially people like me, my age, that were seemingly healthy, and then all of a sudden you're sitting down for dinner and you get 100% blockage in your heart, what you can do about that. So um, Feel Good Fridays or Good for the Heart Fridays, I think we'll call it that, Good for the Heart Friday. So a story that's good for the heart with a tip that's good for your heart on a Friday to get people something positive to talk about over the course of the weekend instead of the negativity. And, of course, the most positive weekend is going to be on October 14th when Indiana stuns Michigan. Got it? Got it. All right, we'll go back to talking about Colts and Texans next. This is Query and Company on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Five minutes after the hour of 1 o'clock on a Friday and a good-looking Friday. How are you? Jake Query along with Jimmy Cook. Nathaniel Finch filling in for the vacationing Eddie Garrison here on Querying Company on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Colts-Texans Sunday, pregame beginning at 10 o'clock. You can hear it here on this radio station. Yesterday, the injury report looking much better for the Colts. Uh, Drew Ogletree upgraded to limited participation, but he had been out on Wednesday. Quentin Nelson still out, by the way, with uh, a toe injury. Nelson is the one that is probably the most critical just because of the fact, Jimmy, it's interesting because it's not like you're necessarily in the dire need of Quentin Nelson from a run game standpoint because that's been anemic to begin with. But, I mean, you do need him, don't get me wrong. But just protecting Anthony Richardson, and if there's one thing you can say about Houston, it's the fact that I do think they have the ability to get to the quarterback. I mean, you know, they they can make things difficult for him. The offensively speaking, I thought Richardson was had moments where he was really good in week one. Obviously, that drive, the 11-play, 75-yard drive, I think it was, that he had. He was exceptional in that drive. But Jacksonville definitely made defensive adjustment and just said, okay, go ahead and beat us by airing it out. And, you know, they were not able to get anything going there. I think Alec Pierce becomes important in that regard. But Houston definitely, Jimmy, is going to be aggressive from the get-go defensively in trying to interrupt Anthony Richardson and keep him um, uncomfortable. And I'm curious to see, from Shane Steichen's standpoint, how much they – add to the playbook or is it still the simple like right now the Colts playbook is the lunch menu right yes but that playbook eventually is going to be cheesecake factory well done but the perfect perfect analogy not for some time right yes yeah I mean I don't want it to be for some time though like I get it you want to get his feet wet but at some point this isn't just like a Oh, fans love when you're going to throw a deep type of mentality it's that I want him to be challenged I don't want him to have training wheels on throughout the entirety of the season. That's not going to happen, but this is a game where unlike Jacksonville, there's more opportunities against the defense you're facing to take a little bit more risk, to play a little bit around with the playbook a little bit more. And yes, you want to have a run game established with some type of pulse, which wasn't there last week. And you mentioned the injury report. It's big to have Zach Moss as a full participant in back-to-back days. And then as well, you mentioned Ogletree, Braden Smith, a full participant yesterday as well. So good aspects of what they want to do from that standpoint, trending in the right direction. But there's going to come times in this season where the kid gloves need to come off. 
and Anthony Richardson needs to be out on full display where you can't hide and not just defenses will learn about you and maybe you get exposed a bit, but you expose yourself so you have the film to go back and grow from it. This is a perfect game for me where it's winnable for the Colts, but also let them loose. Turn them loose at some point. Doesn't have to be the whole game, but just a couple of shots, a couple more exotic looks than just the what we saw on Sunday. I want to see a little bit more trust within him. And I think that should be the message each week is give a little bit more and a little bit more to him. Totally agree, but then the question becomes, do you have the weapons around to to do that? You know, the guy, in your opinion, Jimmy, and I have an answer here, and it's going to be probably, I'm assuming you're going to go with this, the most important player right now for the Colts offense not named Anthony Richardson is? Michael Pittman Jr. Okay. I will go a different answer. Same area. Pittman Jr., you know what you have. Took him a while, week one. You use Josh Downs to kind of soften things up a little bit, and then you get Pittman involved, and he became a, a pretty reliable target for Anthony. And I, he's obviously reliable. I'm saying Richardson became more comfortable going to him. When Anthony Richardson was going through the process, the draft process, what was the narrative on him what were the selling points like you're buying a house and they're like oh it's got a huge beautiful lawn just redid the roof and a walkout basement for anthony richardson what were the selling points about anthony richardson coming out of florida the most gifted athletic specimen that the quarterback position has ever produced okay speed to be able to extend plays and also break defenses when they think they have everything covered and he's going to go right. 10 or 15 yards and a laser of an arm correct a huge arm right yes not an accurate one but a strong one yep uncle rico uh, funny because uncle rico's G- gardner Minshew, but yeah. anthony richardson's the guy that might be able to throw football over the mountains right yes and if you were glass half full Diagnostics just needs to be run on the computer for accuracy. That's all you got to do. Correct. Simple diagnostic change here and Correct. there, and it's going to be a fine-tuned machine. Correct. That's that, that's and so that's where Josh Downs comes into play, right? Yeah. You got to get those short passes going. But once you do, and you have some accuracy in that short game, then all of a sudden, look out, Steph Curry just step back behind the three, and here <laughs> they come, right? Yeah. And so, Michael Pittman Jr. We know who and what he is and where he is and he is a fine player but in terms of behind the defense air it out who's the guy that's going to run and get it and who's the guy that is going to catch the difficult ball and I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that the Sands are going through the hourglass on this guy but Alec Pierce has got to start showing up yes to me that's the most important piece because the area that you most need to see production from Anthony Richardson you have yet to see at this point and, and that's the area that I think they have to get going. The reason that I said Pittman Jr., and I agree with you, it's Pierce for all the reasons you outlined, is I looked at it from the instance of if you take away a piece from this offense, like another piece from this offense, who would negatively impact the Colts most of their departure? And I feel like it would be Michael Pittman Jr.'s because of his reliability. You know what he is, but he's going to be able to ring in six balls on nine targets. Like he's going to be able to be there for you and be a reliable component. If you take him out, who's he throwing the ball to your point about Alec Pierce, there needs to be more separation with him as a deep threat. He needs to be able to get behind defenses and allow the Colts 
to open up an air raid attack with a weapon that is a threat to defenses. And he's yet to fully show that on a consistent basis in one season and one game so far. But it goes a step further, and it goes back to my point earlier in the week, Jake. I'm not saying the questions are there yet, but there's the questions about what the Colts are going to do in the Anthony Richardson era, and if you trust Chris Boward to build around Anthony Richardson. And there's excuse makers that can say, oh, well, he was building still with a championship window the last four or five years, and he was just operating with what the Colts wanted, with expectations. Well, okay, that's fine, but he finally takes a swing on a wide receiver, and if this is a miss, that matters to me. Because anybody can make a good selection in the first round, It's what you do in the subsequent rounds to build around your team that make the difference between being a good team and being a great team. And Alec Pierce, you're right, the sands might not be trickling down just yet, but he's a part of Overreaction Monday. Now here on Friday, it's take a breath, okay, but Alec, we need to see it from you. We need to see it from you this week. We need to see it from you over the next five or six weeks. Where's the separation? Where is the point precision that Anthony Richardson can deliver to you that also proves that Chris Boward knows how to evaluate wide receivers. You know, the other side of things for Houston, C.J. Stroud. I think the world of C.J. Stroud. I will admit that that is the quarterback that I would have liked to have seen Indianapolis take, but I realize he wasn't there, right? There was talk, do you remember C.J. Stroud? At first it was like he was definitely going to go number one overall. Then it was no Will Levis is going to go number one overall. Draft season is the best. Stroud's really dropped. Well, that's why (laughs) none of like people get so caught up in it. And I'm like, guys, this is all smokescreen, right? But Stroud at Ohio State, I thought was dynamic, and I thought when when he had a millisecond and he had time in a pocket, he didn't need a lot of time. But he is the guy. Stroud is the guy that that if you could combine Stroud and Richardson, you'd have the greatest quarterback of all time because his. Yeah. I think of him as being remarkably accurate. But he needs time, and the Colts have a defensive line that, when it comes to getting after the quarterback, is aggressive. And, you know, Mike Chapel said it this week when we talked to him. Quiddy Pay starting to show some flashes. DeForest Buckner. We already know, very good player, right? Um, you know, you know Grover Stewart's a good player. The key for Houston would be, Houston doesn't have a lot of great players. One of them they have that is a great player is Laramie Tunsil, offensive lineman. Great player. Hasn't practiced all week, knee injury. Take that back. He had limited participation yesterday. You know, how important is that? How how susceptible now is Houston towards exposing their quarterback? And to me, Jimmy, the advantage for Indianapolis here is the fact that yeah. I think the Colts are going to be able to come up schematically with ways to keep Richardson a little bit more in rhythm, partially because of Shane Steichen's ability to get him in space a little bit running the ball. I don't think that Houston has that yet with C.J. Stroud. And I love C.J. Stroud. But I just, it just feels to me like – you're throwing both of these guys out in the water without any sort of a life preserver just yet. But there are more floating things around for Anthony Richardson to yeah. jump onto. Yes. Yeah, it's clear going into the season, no one needs reminding of this, but just for the sake of the conversation, both these teams were at similar spots. They were drafting where they were because of how bad the organizations have been the last couple of seasons. And they're both on the same trajectory of 
We feel like we have our franchise quarterback now. Let's build the rest, and then we'll be back to the playoffs and back in the championship conversation. The Colts were more established in a lot of different areas because they still had championship components, if you will, from the post-luck era where the whole Colts thought was that put a Band-Aid on it at quarterback and we're going to be a contender. It's going to be fine because of how great all the other pieces are around the roster. And then players started to age, things started to go south, and it's mainly just a couple of good bones here and there of what used to be with this Colts roster. And now young, new talent they're trying to build around with Anthony Richardson. But to your point, this is why, and maybe this all gets turned upside down on Monday because of overreaction Monday and what happens if they fall to 0-2, even though it's a season not about winning, but this is a winnable game. My point that I'll stand on and maybe change my tune on Monday is this is why you have Gus Bradley here and why you have continuity around this defense, and that's an edge for you in this game. Because if the Texans are dealing with more injuries along their offensive line compared to what they already dealt with from a sack give up and scramble standpoint to C.J. Stroud a week ago against Baltimore, that's where this game is won for the Colts is up front with difference-making plays from DeForest Buckner, from Quiddy Pay. That's where the game's won, is if you're able to make C.J. Stroud run for his life all day like Baltimore did, they're not going to score more than 13 points. Uh, by the way, apparently in the break room of the company, yes, which is the YouTube chat, right? Mm-hmm. Apparently in the break room, there's like all kinds of strife. Did you know this? I've seen a little bit of strife today, yeah. It's hard for me to see because we're on the air, and so you know the responsibility is to talk to the radio as opposed to talk to the YouTube chat. And I think, but I love, I love that the YouTube chat is a place where people can go, feel like they're inside the DriveHubler.com studios here of the company, and have a chat. But I guess one guy was in there causing problems, and then the bouncers came in and threw him out, and then they accidentally threw out like seven more people, and now people are fighting about whether or not the bouncers should have thrown that guy out. Is that right? It's what it appears to be. I'm all for, if somebody's, listen, this break room is open for everyone, so long as you respect everyone else. If you disrespect people that are inside the break room, then as a company, we're booting you out, right? Yes. So, everybody everybody that's in there should feel welcome. I agree. But, uh, I hope people understand that and see why there were some, uh, apparently, beyond you and I, but our IT department got on it, right? The IT department of querying company. Yes. Right? Yep. But I hope people are still enjoying the conversation in the break room as opposed to arguing with each other. It seems like um, like we stepped out for a second in the cafeteria and the kids are now all fighting. I don't want the kids fighting. Are the kids fighting? Do we know? <laughs> I, like you, have not been as glued to it as you know a listener would be if they're in the break room, but um, it looks like things have slightly stabilized. But I'm not involved in it, so maybe wait for a couple of messages to pop up and see if well, things have stabilized. Apparently, there. Caleb, the overenthusiastic intern, um, is now working as like a moderator. Yes. Is that a, is that a, an appointed position? Yes, I okay. would think from higher powers that be. Did so, we give him too much power? Well, so Caleb now all of a sudden, as I understand it, uh, he's like a he's a bouncer, which is good. But my I think he might be a bouncer on steroids. <laughs> so he's like running around and he's ripping out sinks in the bathroom and everything else. And now people are mad at Caleb. Now Caleb did the right thing by getting rid of one guy who um, was attacking people, which is not going to be tolerated and shouldn't be. You would it think after be. fifty accounts that you know he might give up, but hey, you tip the cap. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, right? So that's what's going on in the chat, right? Yes. It, it is like Friday Fight Club in there, and I don't want that. No. You know what I mean? 
I, I don't want the Fight Club. Have you seen the movie Fight Club? I have seen the movie Fight Club. Can you believe that I've never actually seen Fight Club? Give me the three movies you've never seen that people can't believe you've never seen them. Uh, I've never seen Die Hard all the way through. Okay. Jimmy. That's the point. Nathaniel I'm, seems I'm play, horribly I'm play, offended. I'm playing, the, I'm playing the game the right way. Um, now, Nathaniel Finch, I got to tell you, if yours is To Kill a Mockingbird, I'm just going to go name, ahead and walk out of the room. Na- na- name me, <laughs> name me a, a good movie that everybody's seen, and I bet you I haven't seen it. Pulp Fiction. Never seen it. Jimmy. Um, Shawshank Redemption. Haven't seen it all the way through. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Have a there you go. We'll That's why you played the game. Bye-bye. That's why I played the game. He wanted honesty. I gave, I, I gave you honesty. Wait a minute. Now, hold on. Hold on. I'm sorry. Hang on. Hang on. Hang I know. On, hang on. Hang on. I know. Do you have cable television? I do. No, I mean, I have YouTube TV, but yeah, it's not an okay. excuse. I do. Do, do yeah. you have any network that's owned yeah. by or was or has been owned by Ted Turner? Yes. Shawshank Redemption is on. It's literally every day for Shawshank yeah, Redemption is like the, you know, a Christmas story with Ralphie. I do know a Christmas story. Okay. You know, it's on 24 story. hours yes. straight on yep. Christmas Day, right? Yep. Shawshank yep. is on 24 hours yep. straight, seemingly on a Turner yep. channel yep. somewhere. Yep. You know what? You don't know my biggest secret. Here we go. Ready for it? I'm very good at faking like I've seen something for reasons like this. Because then I get cornered and I feel worse about myself because I haven't but, seen a great but, movie. I, I, but I, Jimmy I, Cook, in I your defense. It, I bet I would like it. In your defense. In your defense. Sure. There are several movies that I can say the same. And you can attack me just as easily. Sure. Now, I'm assuming that with Shawshank, you are like me in this regard. There are certain movies that you actually can say... People are like, you've never seen it? And it's like, well, I mean, I kind of have because everyone talks about it and like enough of the clips of it are like memes and whatever else now. And I've seen the famous scenes a hundred times. So I know everything about it, but I haven't seen it. I don't know that I've ever sat down from the opening credits with like a little bowl of popcorn and watched Animal House. Okay, I don't think I ever have. But I've seen every scene of it. In, di- in different periods of my life like you know walking in and you know, watch 20 minutes and i gotta go whatever else the same can be said for caddyshack and for my age group that's like the most egregious error of all time that i've not seen caddyshack i, I think I've seen, i mean i know every part of it you know the darling I'm, i mean i know everything about it sure i just don't know that i've sat down and watched it but i will promise you this if you watch shawshank redemption from beginning to end, you will come in here and say, okay, that's probably one of the five best movies I've ever seen. And the more you watch it, the more you realize that it actually is in no way, shape, or form a prison movie, which it is, but it actually is subliminally a biblical tale. That's the beauty of it. The The subliminal brilliance of the narrative of it is fantastic. Now, I've mentioned many times before, if you're ever in the mid-Ohio area and you're near Mansfield, Ohio, you have to, after you see the movie, Nathaniel, you've seen the movie, right? Oh, yeah. You've got to go to the Ohio Mansfield Reformatory, which is the prison where they filmed Shawshank. It it was closed in 1990, and it is now, I I stumbled upon it serendipitously after the mid-Ohio race one year, and went through it, and at that point, it was just a closed prison and i happened to find the guy that oversaw it and he let me go in and walk through it i'm like oh my gosh and you could see where everything was filmed it's now basically a museum to the movie so when you go in they have you know you pay five dollars or whatever and they have the room okay here's the warden's room and and you can see where and each thing has pictures from the movie but the entire movie in, in its entirety was filmed in ohio how many movies or television shows do you think you have saved in your brain 
where you know exactly where the locale that the film was shot at Boy, you go see not near like jmv probably I, i'd be willing to agree with that but i feel like there's been a number well, already in the three the, weeks that we've been working here's the problem jimmy i've exhausted all of them so like eight okay i just keep cycling through the same eight in the middle of like in the middle of july when there's nothing going on you're gonna hear me say by the way you know shawshank was filmed in ohio at the mansfield <laughs> reformatory and i'll go right back into the same tale right it's just the way it goes. It's a great. Would you agree, Nathaniel? Great movie. Great movie. Matthew just called in, said that Jimmy needs to take off his headphones now and go watch Shawshank right now. <laughs> now Matthew, if that's Matthew in Maine, I don't know if it is, but Matthew in Maine had never seen it until like six months ago and watched it and said, "Okay, yeah, I admit it's pretty good." I think Matthew was a little bit. It's kind of tough because you hear so much about it, right? The movie that I never thought I, I was never totally sold on Pulp Fiction. I saw Pulp Fiction in the theater when it came out, and walking out of it, everybody's like, it's the greatest movie I've ever seen. And I'm like, 90% of these people have no idea what happened. <laughs> they don't realize that actually what the guys were pulling around was that uh, Marcellus had sold his soul, and they had to go and get his soul back, and his soul was actually the gold, the thing that was the gold inside the briefcase because he had made a deal with the devil, and he sold his soul, and now all of a sudden he was trying to repent, and so he was getting his soul back. People didn't know that. All they knew was like, yeah, there was some kid that got shot in the back of a car. Uh, okay. Now, the, I will tell you this. The dumbest movie ever that everybody else loved, and I still will maintain, and I will die on this hill, that it was the dumbest movie ever made, was Blair Witch Project. Dumbest movie ever made. Biggest waste of time. Don't waste your time. All it was was daytime. It was a bunch of people walking around the woods going, where's the map? We lost the map. And then at nighttime, they were all going, what's that noise? What's that noise? Oh my gosh! And rinse and repeat for like two hours, and then the movie. Well, but ends. but but the terrible. Hype, but the hype of the Blair Witch Project was the marketing that led up to it. The I, fact I know, that people thought that it was an actual I, real I, like found footage. The fir- like not I don't know if it was the very first of its kind. Now I thought but, Cloverfield was the better was the same concept, and I thought a better movie. Yes, but I would also well, Cloverfield came out in '08, and it felt. Because it was like newer technology or the cameras they used and all the special effects, I thought was a better movie than Blair Witch yeah, Project. And listen, there was more of a plot. They're listen, going back to go save his girlfriend. Like it's You haven't experienced this yet, Jimmy, because you know, and you're lucky, right? Uh, eventually, here within the next probably what, ten years, you're gonna I'm have gonna to be have in a, the second half century no, of my life you're gonna have to have about a, movies well, that yeah. my co host hasn't seen. You're gonna have to do a colonoscopy. And when you do a colonoscopy <laughs> the night before you've got to do the prep. And the prep, many people will say, is like the worst three hours of their year, unless they've seen Blair Witch Project, (laughs) in which case it's the second. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Query and Company on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Halfway through the show, as a matter of fact... Twin flags unfurled in just below the flag stand, meaning we are halfway there. Jake Quarry along with Jimmy Cook, Nathaniel Finch, capably filling in for the vacationing Eddie Garrison, who fortunately we have no HR department, so Eddie hasn't gotten wind that his CEO position in jeopardy. Um, (laughs) Mark Dykton, by the way, just texted me. Mark, of course, the producer of uh, the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. They have a new logo for the show you can check out. He says, Jake, it appears I'm being slandered on the show. I'm not slandering Mark. I'm just saying that for some reason, this computer that has worked flawlessly for me, uh, at least for the last four days, locked me out. And then when I tried to log back in, it said that the last login was Mark Dykton. 
So I think he got in here and, and screwed everything up. You're just following bit. breadcrumbs. That's, that's all you're doing. Oh. That's right. I'm just checking the trail. Um, full slate of games, obviously, in the National Football League this weekend. We've talked about the Colts and the Texans. And I think Jimmy and I both think that Indianapolis gets their first win of the year. Last night, Minnesota and Philadelphia. No surprise. Eagles get that win. Kind of felt like a typical Minnesota Vikings performance, right? Good enough to keep you interested. Um, Justin Jefferson is clearly a I mean that dude can flat out play but just not quite enough to get over the hump for the Minnesota Vikings Eagles win last night other games of interest around the league we'll begin with Jimmy one of the games that probably is the premier game I think of the weekend and that's Kansas City and Jacksonville can the Chiefs deliver a favor to the rest of the AFC South yes I think they can Chris Jones likely to be back Travis Kelsey looking like he's going to be back and I chalk up what happened in Arrowhead Stadium a week ago to not take anything away from the Detroit Lions, of course, who are another team to watch for. We'll get to that as a bounce back week for them. Their offense is going to flow much more smoothly with Travis Kelsey back out there. Even if he's not, Mahomes is supposed to be in this echelon of quarterbacks that is able to build up his receivers. I think it was just a bad night for Kadarius Toney. The Chiefs never cover, so if you're asking me where to bet this game, I would probably just scoop the three and a half and call it a day, but you didn't hear it from me. But, uh, yeah, I think the Chiefs win this one and do a favor to the Colts. Jags fall to 1-1. By the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but when you look at the NFL standings and they determine the playoffs, they never mention who covers. Right? Yes, but it's force-fed into us, and you know 109 with it is my... One of one my uh, my ice numbers. That's your speed. You have that it's speed. My, it's my emergency contact. Emergency number four. Back in the day, I'm old enough to remember when you're landline. I remember in college, you know, like you looked. It was an entire Seinfeld episode about it. But you know, you look down. And you're like, you know, I don't know if I told you, but you're actually now speed dial six. So really? Okay. Uh, Mark Dykton, by the way, Jake. This sounds like a you problem. Now here, here we go. We have we have breaking news on this. Okay. It said when I logged in, the computer required updates and needed to restart, so I provided a service. So Mark Dykton went in here and and updated and restarted this computer, and guess what he did? He erased, I guarantee you, everybody's (laughs) passwords but his own. Now, you want to talk about self-serving narcissists, right? (laughs) It's blueprint right there. Been a while since one of those has been in this studio, and now all of a sudden Mark Dykton (laughs) slid over and voila, right? Uh, I think Jacksonville, this is a really interesting game for them because they're going to have margin for error in this division. Yes. But if the Jags, I think the Jags we know are in the left lane of the AFC South, right? They're in the left lane, clearly in the in the right lane, and just kind of making sure, you know, I had a rental car in Portland. I landed in Portland, or excuse me, in Monterey. I landed in San Francisco and had to drive to Monterey in my rental car. And I drove for the first 45 minutes of the drive, and everybody's flying past me, and they're honking and waving, and I thought, well, these people are friendly. And then a, a state trooper got beside me for like 40 miles, <laughs> and I'm driving along, and the state trooper is just beside me the, the entire time. He never went in front or behind me. He's just beside me the whole time, pacing me, right? And people are going past, and everybody's waving at me. Eventually, I stopped to get a Coke, and I realized my lights have been off the entire time, and it's nighttime. Oh. So first off, I'm a little worried about the state trooper because I'm like, how does he not pull me over to say, very hey, man, you're- Very strange that he wouldn't hit you with the blue right. lights. It's very weird. 
But when you get a rental car, a lot of times you don't drive as you normally do because you're not – this one had like the lane control thing where like if you start to change lanes without signaling, it's like – it vibrates yes. and it fights you and yes. you're like – it seems more dangerous to me <laughs> than anything else. And I think I'm hitting the cruise control and now all of a sudden there's water going everywhere and the windshield wipers are going. Yeah. So it, it, when you drive a rental car, the first day that you have it, you literally drive like you're 90, okay? Here. The Colts and the Texans in the AFC South are in the right-hand lane, and both of them are in the rental car, and they're not yet familiar with what they have. Yes. They're not sure what buttons to push. They they know that there's pretty decent capability within the vehicle, but they, they just aren't used to it yet. That's where they are. Jacksonville, pretty comfortable with what it has, knows who it is. In the left lane seemingly working pretty well and Waze is telling it right now that it's coming up on traffic and that traffic's the Kansas City Chiefs right yes but what no one knows is the car in the middle that nobody can figure out it's like which lane are you in is the Tennessee Titans yes like are the Titans going to stay in that left lane and occasionally be able you know or (laughs) are the Titans the car where it's like vehicle on side of road ahead three of the four tires on the Titans car are spares that is correct. With like duct tape on them. Correct. And it's like, well, it's still driving. And for they, some reason, there's like blades coming out of each window. Like Tennessee, they don't want you to pass them. Tennessee has tried to change its main tire <laughs> for the last two years and still keeps going back to the same set, right? Yeah. Uh, they are hosting the Los Angeles Chargers, another team that's kind of enigmatic. But I do like the Chargers. I think Justin Herbert's a heck of a player. The Chargers are the team, Jimmy, that for five straight years now, I've thought they're going to take a step. They have weapons. The Chargers' problem, seemingly, is they get off to slow starts in seasons, I mean, and they have big-time offensive players, but they're never all healthy at the same time. But that's still a pretty – you know, there is a a really good chance the Chargers go in and win that game, right? Yes. Lay the three with L.A. The only concern that I have with the Chargers, and we'll get an update on this today – I don't want their offense to become just reliant on the pass. Not that I think that they can't win with just Justin Herbert through the air 40 times. Uh, Austin Eckler has been questionable the last couple days at practice. So that's a little bit concerning, at least in terms of what their running game could be. I believe they would rely on Joshua Kelly at that point if Austin Eckler has to sit. But yeah, I mean, this is a Chargers team that got beat in a tough shootout against a Miami team that if they're going to be that potent or that successful on offense, they are the dark horse people have been talking to them about talking about the Dolphins here, to take a leap forward. Nothing shameful about falling to 0-1 to Miami. Tennessee will make it tough, but I think the Chargers end up winning. Uh, Baltimore's in Cincinnati. Eddie Garrison has a love affair with Lamar Jackson. Thinks that, I thought it, that, what was it he said about Lamar Jackson? I'm like, wait, what? I don't know if it was MVP conversation, but he he clearly likes it. and Baltimore. I get it. I mean, Baltimore's he pushed back when we left Lamar Jackson out of the top four quarterbacks in the National Football League right now. I don't remember how degree he went if it was MVP or what, but he pushed back on. Yeah, that. he was. Maybe that's what it was. He but also the, has Bengals ties too, though. Well, the the thing about the Bengals, I, you know, who what in the world was was week one <laughs> preseason game number four. <laughs> yeah, I mean, was week one the Bengals just not getting on track or was week one an example or a preview of the kind of defensive Mm. efforts that you're going to get from Cleveland week in and week out did they go against a great defense in Cleveland that we just slept on or were they completely asleep at the wheel I think both are true I don't know that Cleveland's going to walk out of here with like a top five or top 10 defense this year 
but they're a solid defense, better than people thought. And for the second consecutive year, albeit far less potent offensively than 2022, the Bengals have a week one disaster. Last year, they ended up losing, I think, on a field goal in overtime, if I remember correctly, to Pittsburgh. They definitely lost to Pittsburgh. I don't know if it was an overtime or not, but they look very, very slow from the get-go. And then in this game against Cleveland, it's the most anomaly of all anomaly games. Very rarely are you going to be able to point to a game this year and be like, wow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, none of them did anything. This offense was dreadful. You paying Joe Burrow all that money? That's a type of shock jock radio uh, for Bengals fans, I'm sure, yeah. locally in Cincinnati, right? But no, it's an anomaly game. Back home in Cincinnati, I think the Bengals get back to 500. Ravens come back a peg as well. But it should be one of the better matchups of the slate, for sure. Now, Cleveland, their defense, we're still not going to know for another week how good their defense is because they're taking on Pittsburgh this week, who was absolutely horrific in week one. So Cleveland could pitch another shutout this week or close to it, and you're like, is that Cleveland or is that Pittsburgh? But you start to doubt them if for some reason Kenny Pickett's yeah. able to find the footing that everybody's been telling him he's going to happen hands. for last year. He's got little hands. <laughs> do you remember in the draft? Yes, I do. I like, do remember the little hands. <laughs> Kenny Pickett during the NFL draft, they're like, the thing about Kenny Pickett, who may be the first quarterback taken, he has tiny hands. Now, there are a lot of things you can say about me. People can make fun of my hair. They can make fun of, like, if I have a gut. They can make fun of... The fact that I have a weird nose, a million different things. I don't want anybody telling me I have small hands. Very self-conscious about that. Okay. Would you want anybody, of anything, would you want people, little feet? You know what I mean? Like, there are certain things that I just, I, I don't need I the mean, it's just public. a weird observation to make off the bat. Like, I don't know that I'd be, like, offended by it. Just like, oh, okay. But I'm saying, like, if people, take, were gonna, if people were going to offer critique of me, like they did Kenny Pickett when he came out of the draft, the last thing I would want is everybody talking about how small my hands are. <laughs> I'd be totally self-conscious about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it is a type what, of thing. What is he wear mittens in the wintertime too? Is he like an eight-year-old? <laughs> I, I don't want anybody to know. You know, have you done hand size before? Like the NFL style? No. The closest thing I've done to hand measurement is I put my hand on the basketball at the Pacers gift shop back when they had that thing. Can you palm a basketball? Not n- no. I can, but I can't. I can get it up, but I can't do it, it the exercise. It looks to me like of, you have, you would have in the NFL combine that you would have a decent hand size. I, I, I can get it up off the ground. It's the extension part where you have to go. Like, can you dunk? I, I Did, could you ever dunk? No. Didn't have the hops. Not in your prime. No. You know what has the hops? That Sierra Nevada. Have you had one of those before? I'm not. Very hoppy. <laughs> Much like the Osiris. Osiris also very hoppy. Right. Can I get to the game that I really am looking forward to Please. this week? And this will shock you because you think I'd be some you know bitter fan sitting here, but I'm not. I don't think there's a better environment to be in. I'm not saying it's going to end that way, but a better environment pregame to be in than the now 1-0 after defeating the Super Bowl chance Lions in their home opener at Ford Field against the Seahawks. They're favored by four and a half. I'm not saying they're going to necessarily win, but you talk about a fan base that's hungry, that's ready, and now has some fuel added to that fire after last week's win at Arrowhead. That's going to be a great atmosphere. You know Probably the best atmosphere of all week one. Lions fans are jacked. They're hungry. Yep. You know what else they are? Manimals. Thirsty. Because they have yet to get their six-pack of PBR that you owe Dr. <laughs> Motman for that game between the Chiefs and the Lions, right? Monday. I mean, listen, uh, all I know is this. Dr. Motman sent me a text. I'm not saying that he was passive-aggressive, but he sent me a text and said, does he owe me PBR or Welch's? And I'm like, that's a good, good question. I don't know. Uh, Seattle also another one little bit underwhelming in week one and if you're doing a sports talk show in seattle you probably have no idea what you got on the seahawks right because you know is geno smith still have it in him or 
Is this it? Yes. I mean, you're you're banking on there's questions about the aging receiving core, at least led by Tyler Lockett. DK Metcalf is still DK Metcalf, but there's a perception of Geno Smith just had this bounce back year. They've paid him this money now. And quietly, they do still have a solid receiving core when you add in Jackson Smith and Jigba to that mold for Seattle. So it is. It's a mystery because you're banking on a quarterback that for years was one thing and then caught lightning in a bottle for one season and you've bought in now. I like to call it, and Gino's not this, but this is just from my personal experience, it's the Matt Castle effect. Yeah. You see one good year and you think to totally yourself, agree. we have to have it. Totally we need to have it Rob right Johnson, now. Rob Johnson, there's yes. a million of them. A, mil- a million of yeah. examples that you can relate to for that. The Seahawks are hoping they're not on the wrong end of that with Gino. I don't know that they are. I think Gino is, is he's earned everything he's gotten now in the National Football League. I do think that they fall to 0-2, though. I think the Lions win. It would be the most Lions thing ever to drop that one. It would, though. Yes. Uh, Kevin Bowen in 13 minutes. Query and Company on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Future's so bright and bolder that uh, everybody got sunglasses, right? Everybody on the team? Is that right? That is right. Deion Sanders, kind enough to gift his entire team sunglasses in wake of war of words in the press leading up to Colorado, Colorado State. A buddy of mine that I grew up with, one of my best friends, lives in Denver. Like half of my graduating class lives in Denver. But I've when I was out in Denver a couple of years ago, I think I told you, Jimmy, that there is a sports talk state. The Broncos in Denver, the level of fanaticism for the Denver Broncos in the market of Denver is literally like Peyton-era Colts plus Alford-era Indiana plus Rick Mears-era Indy 500 wrapped into one in this town. I'm not kidding you. They had one sports talk station in Denver – that literally was an all Broncos station, twenty four hours a day, three sixty five. Well, not yeah, twelve hours a day, three hundred sixty five days a year was nothing but Broncos conversation. They did not talk Nuggets. They did not talk Avalanche. They build itself. I mean, it was like WBRON or whatever. I mean, they they literally were. That was how it was sold. All Broncos all the time. That's how big they are there. And when like the Nuggets were in the finals, I would text Jacqueline. I'm like, all right, how much conversation is there about the Nuggets? He's like, eh, I mean, people are into it. It's cool, but like nothing, you know, Broncos draft talk is coming up, you know, that kind of thing. He, yesterday he called me and he goes, well, I never thought it would happen, but the Broncos are now second in the market in terms of conversation and buzz. Now, obviously not permanently, but he's like, as of right now, he's like every TV station, every radio station, the, everything. He's like, it is all CU. It is all buffs. The buzz is unbelievable around now. They got to deliver. They're going to beat Colorado State probably, but then it gets real, real fast. <laughs> I mean, their, their schedule does change. The matchup with Oregon is so tantalizing. Like, I wish we could just fast forward a week. There's a lot of good matchups in college football next week, but that's one of them. Yeah, I mean, sure. and, and Oregon. Oregon and Colorado is a fascinating matchup because it's two teams that completely made their rise based upon the sexiness of their program yep. because of the backing of one person. Yep. I mean, literally like a look in the mirror. Uh, Kevin Bowen next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Query and Company on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Well, I'm glad our next guest is joining us because he can help me get to the bottom of this 
sabotage mystery. <laughs> uh, Kevin Bowen from the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy joins us. Uh, Kevin, first off, I, I know we probably should have said this yesterday. You know, congratulations and best wishes to Andy Sweeney, who is now a first-time father. And so as a result of that, he was not on the air this morning. So Mark Dykton sat in apparently the seat that I'm sitting in. <laughs> And I've not been able to log into my computer ever since. And then when I when I finally do, it says, your username or password is incorrect. This computer has been reset by Mark Dykton. Now, what the hell are you guys doing? Last part. Can, I, can I not leave you guys in here alone, <laughs> like, for a couple of weeks? What's going on? Boy, technolog- technological issues from Jay Query. I'm stunned <laughs> to hear that here on this Friday afternoon. It, it legitimately says... Mark Dykton has reset this. I would love to see a picture of that. Okay. Actually, Mark Dykton sent me the following. Okay. He sent me the following that said, I don't know why I'm being slandered, but it said the computer required updates and needed to restart. So I provided that service. And when I log in, it says last login, Mark Dykton. And my login is no longer working. That's, wow, um, boy, this feels like 7.01 a.m. from the last two and a half years for me here. Uh, I, I have a feeling that support will be tending to your needs here ASAP on that. I mean, if you're Mark, you got to think. You had two hours for a restart, an update, whatever, in between, you know, the end of our show and the start of your show. I I, I guess I'm defending Mark on this one. I, I think he was doing the right thing there, and somehow the update is not complete. I don't want to have to side against my co-host here but i also want to put one thing submitted into evidence my theory was the computer is so used to getting logged in with the jake.query account at 11:54 that it shut down into like security shutdown when it logged in at 11:40 and has unallowed access since I, I mean then. entirely possible although it does say here congratulations um, you have now upgraded to gateway 2 so okay so we're up to 1999 on this computer that's cool um <laughs> Kevin, let's get to this first with the Colts and the Texans injury report. Right now, it looks like Quentin Nelson, you know, yesterday I think he was either out or limited. Where do things stand in terms of the injury report for Indianapolis? Yeah, Shane Steichen, uh, per usual, is not very much in the giving mood in terms of injury updates following the final practice of the week. So I guess we'll await official word of the injury report. My guesses would be this. Quentin Nelson practiced today. I think usually that is a very good sign if you practice on a Friday, particularly with Nelson's, you know, hardly any injury history in his career, that he would play on Sunday. And honestly, I, I don't know if they'll rule anybody out. I mean, Braden Smith was a full participant yesterday and then practiced again today. Zach Moss now has six straight practices. I assume he will give it a go. I'm trying to think who else. Drew Ogletree uh, did suffer a concussion in the game against Jacksonville. For what it's worth, he wasn't even wearing a no-contact jersey. So I, I am guessing it's going to be a pretty healthy bunch, which I know Houston cannot say the same thing. So, yeah, I, I would think injury-wise, the Colts will be in pretty good shape heading into Sunday. We have breaking news. That's why I pause. You put both hands in the air, which only means one thing. It appears as Keep though I'm in. in. It appears as though I'm in. Although no, I don't, I don't. No, wait a minute. Hold on. I don't think that's right. This, I'm getting somebody else's files here. I'm not kidding you. I, I'm like, well, oh, what boy. is this stuff? <laughs> that could go a lot of ways here. Um, well, Mark Dykton's at home pushing buttons and just absolutely, you know what, with you right now. It, it would, so. it would appear that is in fact the case. Um, but, but at any rate, thumbs up. 
Nothing sums up final hour of the week with Jake Query more than this last five minutes. It's iconic. I mean, Living yeah, up to is, the hype. This is the entire week. <laughs> Kevin, it feels to me like there aren't many games this year that the Colts – and I do think that the Colts showed some flashes in week one where – they're at least not going to be boring. I mean, I think they're going to be fun to watch over the course of the year, and they're going to be some games. I know this is a, a lazy narrative. Some games you're going to go, wow, and other games you're going to say, well, what in the world is going on here? But this does seem to be one that almost feels like I expect them to win going into it, quite frankly, because I just don't know what Houston has to bring to the table. What about Houston jumps out at you as areas that could be a challenge for the Colts? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with a lot of what you said there. I, I would say the one thing that jumps out is, you know, they did draft trade up, you know, a very significant trade to take Will Anderson Jr., number three overall, right ahead of the Colts, and he had a very strong debut. Um, Jonathan Greenard is the other defensive end. He's had a nice career. And the annual shock I have every time the Colts seem to play him, I'm like, wait, Jerry Hughes is still in the NFL. Uh, yes, he is still in the NFL, and he's actually – you know, he had a couple plays against the Colts last season. So I would say defensive end is a position that um, there's a little bit of potential trouble on that end. Um, so that would be one of the very few areas, honestly, that I think Houston could pose trouble. I, I frankly don't think there's really any other spot on either side of the ball where I'd be too concerned if you were the Colts. I think like last week, the Colts should have – a massive advantage of their defensive line going up against a very banged-up Houston offensive line. Looks like the Texans are going to be down. They're two starting safeties, so I would like to see some deep shots dialed up for that just because I think that plays to Anthony Richardson's strengths. We didn't see that week one. And, again, it also you know, tests an area that's going to be a bunch of backups back there for the Texans secondary. So I said 23-13 to 13 earlier today. Yeah, I mean, this will be one of the few games, I think, on a Friday all year where – I'm this confident in it. The line surprises me a little bit that Houston is still favored. Uh, maybe I'm totally overlooking the Texans. Maybe I'm putting too much stock into how bad they looked week one, but I think the Colts go down there and get a win. Does it stand to reason, Kevin, that the whole training wheels philosophy of easing Anthony Richardson in, that maybe game by game you take them off more aggressively than you would in other matchups? And I know you mentioned the health issues with some of Houston's safeties and maybe their secondary is vulnerable but even going in even with a fully health healthy unit defensively in the secondary for the Texans this feels like a game where you turn Anthony Richardson loose does it stand to reason to you that that would be the case and do you think it'll happen this Sunday yeah that's a good question I you know I know turning him like fully loose in week two of his rookie season is something that we will see. I, I thought it was interesting. If you go back and look at week one, the obvious was really nothing down the field. The other thing that was interesting is if you look at, like, where he threw the football, he threw, like, nothing to the left side of the field. And, you know, some might be like, oh, you know, is there whatever nerves about, like, throwing across his body and he feels like more inaccuracies there for a right-hander. Um, I think most of that had to do with Tyson Campbell, the Jags corner who, when they did throw left, obviously you saw the interception there at the end of the game. So I'm kind of curious, do you see a little bit more a willingness to go both sides of the field? I don't know if Derek Stingley Jr., Texans high draft pick from a couple of years ago, has that earned a reputation for like staying away from them per se. So um, I do think just a few more vertical shots has to be there 
um, for several reasons. One, I think it's, again, more of Richardson's strength as a thrower. Two, I think it's important just to show a defense you're capable and willing to do that. And then three, again, Houston is without, it looks like both of their starting safety. So I think it makes sense on that. And, you know, turning him, him loose as a runner, I, I don't know. It's a little bit of a balance. Like, I know what Anthony Richardson can do as a runner. And I get that it's going to be part of the offense week in, week out. But I don't really need to see that. I think what we need to see is him more of a, as a thrower and him in situations like inevitably arose last Sunday when, you know, you had a lead in the second half and then you're down three or five minutes to go and he's asked to lead a drive and obviously it didn't go well. But, like, those are more of the things that I, I, I think I want to, you know, see him involved in um but to your point jimmy i think i'll be interested to see just you know how different it looks from week one to week two if it does look different at all kevin i'm going to use an analogy here just to give you ptsd but i i had mentioned earlier that in reality the colts right now in terms of their playbook are using a lunch menu and then eventually they'll turn it all over to anthony anthony richardson which is more like the cheesecake factory menu right like it's it's got everything in it but they just they haven't gone there yet how much more do you anticipate them adding to that menu realistically this week? Or do they still – I mean, it's kind of piggybacking off of what you were just saying, but, you, you know, when when do we really open up the full arsenal? Is that because of protecting Richardson in, in terms of not confusing him, or is that in terms of they haven't been able to necessarily get the pieces necessary just yet to go to let everything comfortably go open towards him? Yeah, I, I'd say it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, again, tapping into a few more deep shots, dialing that up, you know, whatever that means. That means you need to keep a few more guys in from the protection standpoint, whatever. But, you know, when you're talking about a guy specifically like Alec Pierce, Alec Pierce's strengths, and you can make the argument so far in the NFL, it's really the only thing he's shown of consistency is making some plays down the field, throwing some jump balls to him, you know, hell, even drawing a pass interference penalty or, or coming down with that. That's where he excels. So I, I just think you have to do that with him. Um, you know, playbook-wise, from a run game standpoint, I mean, you, you've got to be right up there with just about anybody in the league and how unique you can be given the fact that your quarterback can run. And, you know, I brought up to Jimmy's question about, okay, they only threw to the right side of the field. If you want to get a little nitpicky, are you saying, well, they only feel comfortable with Richardson making like half-field read read or half field reads? I don't know. I think it's more to do with Tyson Campbell and, and, and their respect for him. But I think that is something that I'll be keeping my eye on. But more than anything, Jake, I, I would just say, you know, a few more shots down the field. Um, given Richardson's strength, Alec Pierce, and again, Houston's injuries in the secondary. Laramie Tunsil is one of the finer offensive linemen in the league, Kevin. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, but he has not practiced all week. And I think he is probably still questionable for this game itself. How much disruption can the Colts defensive line get on C.J. Stroud? Yeah, I think that's that's easily the area you point to, and it's the area I point to of why I, I think the Colts are going to go down there and win. If I'm not mistaken, they're back up at left guard, center, and I think right tackle right now. Um, it sounds like Puntzel's going to give it a go. I, I know he didn't practice today, but I thought I had seen that um, they felt like he was going to give it a go based off what he had done earlier in the week. But still, I mean, you got three spots that – have backups. Jared Patterson's a rookie out of Notre Dame, starting at center. I mean, Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner have got to be licking their chops at that. I mean, we saw what Buckner did in a one-on-one situation 
on Sunday and, you know, almost single-handedly changing that game. We saw what Cody Pay did against a rookie right tackle in week one. That was a first-round pick. And, and again, it will be a, be a backup right tackle that he's going to face. So that's the area. I mean, you know, we all watched a lot of C.J. Stroud in college. It was it was pretty spoon-fed for him in terms of just how much of an advantage he had week in and week out around him. Not a lot of chaos around him either. Um, so I think if you're able to dial that up. Now, it's important that you do your part in creating that havoc. Like Baltimore, I felt like, did that week one. Stroud was sacked five times. But Baltimore, I think, is more known as ex- exotic kind of disguising defense. Colts aren't necessarily known like that. So, again, I think it's important that they do their part in, in making sure Stroud's a little bit confused. But I think once the ball snaps, the Colts should have a big-time advantage with their defensive line. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hang on. Just got an email here. <laughs> Just got an email from the Urban One Technology Service Desk. Yes. An incident has been opened and investigated on your behalf. You can view all the details of the incident by following the link below. I'll bet, Kevin Bowen, I will bet, if I click on that incident, it will say, we have discovered a culprit that was fishing around on your computer, and we have the login name. What do you want to bet on this? See, this is the thing, Kevin. This is the thing. I'm not saying I'm uh, – my last name starts with Q. I'm not saying I'm QAnon and that I throw out these conspiracies and then I'm always proven correct. That would be the difference, actually. It might actually have merit. But oftentimes, would you agree, I would come up with something and say something and you thought I was crazy and then you're like, you know what, he actually was right. Right? Boy, uh, I don't know. When you rocked that Q hat, I was always a little nervous where you were going <laughs> uh-huh. with that. Uh, can you imagine like the technological support that we have, and they're thinking to themselves, "Oh my gosh, am I really dealing with a jQuery issue at two fifteen on a Friday afternoon?" Can you imagine like what they'd be like? They're if- like, wait a minute, this is normally at six fifty eight. What's going on? <laughs> can so, you- like that happy hour beer is going to taste extra good for them here on this Friday afternoon. The fact that it says incident, I just love. Like immediately, we, we immediately we're going to go with the negative connotation of like <laughs> no. we, have, we have an incident here. And we <laughs> no. I think Mark spit up on himself. That's what it is. It's just, the incident is Mark sat here this morning and spit up on himself and ruined the computer. I'm just telling you. It's right here. Jimmy I could just... see Mark doing that, but 1,000% he would have told me, and I would have laughed, and it would have been great knowing what was you know, going to be talked about on this segment here late in the afternoon. But Mark, if he did it, he was certainly uh Well, he's conniving. Hiding. Listen, that guy's conniving. Don't kid yourself. That yeah. guy's conniving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, two things. I don't mean to make Jake feel less special about himself than he already does, but uh, I got the same email about an incident report being open on my behalf when I got locked out of my account on Monday. That was not a Mark Dykton issue. Oh, Mark issue. Dykton screwed you not, too? Okay, not, sure. That was not a Mark Dykton issue unless Mark Dykton cleverly left the caps lock on and I forgot to check it, which case Mark's two for two props to him uh, secondly i like to imagine that those on the east coast are scrambling realizing the hacker is inside the building with mark dykton being <laughs> accused for came, exactly the call came from exactly. within the building exactly yeah. kev kev i don't know why but when i see a percentage it scares me more than seeing like two for 12 for instance so i'll throw this at you now you know where i'm going with this with that number 64 percent of colt's drives were three and outs last week uh, that was second worst in the league behind Cincinnati. So good company, I guess. Uh, when As you've looked back at everything from week one against Jacksonville, how much of that was play calling? How much of that was the situation the Colts were in? And how much of that can be alleviated, if at all, by Zach Moss being back in the fold, now healthy to start the season in week two? Okay, I think I was in a bit of a dead spot, but I caught you there at the end. Is this more running back related or short yardage, like fourth down? Sixty-four percent 
drives that ended three and out, the Colts were second worst in the league. Why did that happen, and does Zach yeah. Moss help fix that? Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, and in particular, Jimmy's second half. I know you and I talked about this earlier in the week when you hopped on my, my podcast, like way behind the chains. Like first and second down, we go absolutely nowhere. Boom, you're in third and eight, you're in third and tens, and that's just disastrous. So, you know, my bar for Zach Moss and the running back group on Sunday is just can you get to, like, competency? And I'm not going to act like the offensive line had these, you know, incredible run lanes that, you know, anybody could have run through. There were certainly – some run blocking issues, but you know, I also think, and Zach Moss is kind of known as this. I mean, again, he did have 100 yards to end the season against Houston last year. He's a very just like decisive runner. I mean, he's not this speedy. You know, I'm going to dance in the backfield and make guys miss. He knows what his strengths are, and that's one cut and boom, and, and kind of rely on some of that power. So, if you can just do a little bit of like methodical first and second down, get more into the third and manageables. Now it goes back to the earlier question we had of just like. Can you keep the playbook a little bit more open and not put so much pressure on your quarterback and the passing game in general? So it's a low bar. It's good news for Zach Moss looking at Sunday based off what he needs to replace. But, yeah, just a little bit more competency. And, again, some of that is on the offensive line. I don't want to act like Deion Jackson just had gaping holes. But also some of it is just like hold on to the ball and, and you know get what is blocked there and, and just be a bit more decisive of, you know, whatever, three and four yards is not the end of the world. You get a tackle for loss, you fumble, you have a critical drop. That's where you've got bigger issues there. So, uh, and honestly, I'm just curious to see, you know, how this goes for the next three weeks, assuming it is Moss. I mean, if it's bad again, do they go Kareem Hunt, James Robinson, you know, Daryl Henderson, I'm trying to think of the veteran running backs they've worked out here lately. Um, and, and could this be Zach Moss's, season i mean is the taylor thing going to last all year long and then all of a sudden zach moss in a contract year a former third round pick it's not like this is a undrafted free agent a former third round pick in a contract year gets a golden opportunity to try and prove himself Uh, you know moss runs hard kevin to give him credit i mean he runs hard but is he really a guy that people are going to load the box for you know what i mean i mean they're admittedly and i guess that parlays into the next question which i I almost am hesitant to go there because it's it's just the low-hanging fruit, but do they, in fact, now consider getting some sort of mea culpa and figuring it out so that Jonathan Taylor, who now you know says that he could play if need be or whatever you know has been leaked out there, is Jonathan Taylor your running back in three weeks? Boy, Jake, I'm still like in a little I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it mode. Um and, yeah, I guess, yeah, I mean, we're less than three weeks away from him even being eligible for, for, for practice. So I'm super curious what will happen. I guess Sunday's kind of the midway point of a stay. On the pup list, I, I still think there's a whole lot to sift through between now and then by both parties to try and, and get whatever water's calm to steal a phrase from Jim Irsay. And I still don't think we're there at all with that or, or frankly, anywhere close to it. And I guess it kind of goes back to the point that, that I was making a little bit ago of just, you know, what does Zach Voss show you in these three weeks and should or will that impact anything on that front? You know, there are some people that will say, you know, I, I don't care if Zach Moss rushes for 100 yards in each of these next three games. It shouldn't have an impact. And others might say, well, in a way, this is kind of what the other side of the running back dilemma is. Do you run a guy out there like Zach Moss on first and second down, bring a new guy in on third down, and it's a little bit of this running back by committee approach, and that's how you, you know, build 
at that position in today's NFL. So I'm still not ready to to commit to it in week five. And, and having said that, I, does Taylor have to play to prove himself to other teams? You know, I'm trying to flash back to his time last year. Christian McCaffrey had had tons of injury issues. Probably just needs to prove season. he's healthy, right? I mean, I think people know what he can do, but they want to know that he's healthy. Right. And that's what McCaffrey did last year. I mean, he, he had missed far more games than Taylor had missed. Um, last season, and McCaffrey played in all those eight games with Carolina. You also had a Carolina team that, or a San Francisco team that was three and three, a little bit of panic mode. Boom, they make that trade. You know, we saw Baltimore, J.K. Dobbins, Tony Keeley's in week one. They seem content for now. Do we see anything else that happens in the next three weeks that potentially pushes a team into kind of that San Francisco territory from last year? If it's overreaction week, Kevin, Kevin Bowen is our guest, by the way, on the hotline here on Querying Company. If it's overreaction week, give me the area, be it positive or negative, either one, give me the area that you think was a talking point this week around the Colts coming off of week one that, in fact, probably was a little bit embellished or overreacted towards. Oh, that's a good one. Um, Yeah, uh, I... I don't know the Alec Pierce stuff. It, it, it got a lot of attention. Um, I do think it is concerning. I don't know if it's as concerning as you know some others have pointed out because I do think if you, I think that is a strength of Richardson's, and I think what we saw in that Buffalo game, the first preseason game, Richardson to Pierce, like that can be something that you tap into. I, there's obviously got to be a willingness to do it. And I know Pierce dropped that, but I, I do think that's something that can be there. I still kind of have bigger questions about Pierce as a complete wideout, but if he can give you a couple of big chunk plays every game, and that, that's huge. I mean, that, that does wonders, you know, for him, for the offense, for for everybody. Um, I know this isn't really what you're asking, Jake, but I feel like two names that I wanted to mention that I think are in really really important seasons, and I thought they had good openers: uh, Bernard Ryman and Quiddy Pay. Um, just understandably, I think topics were different all week long uh, with Richardson and Steichen and you know Shaq Leonard and Zaire Franklin and all that. But I thought Bernard Ryman at left tackle, Quiddy Pay defensive end, uh, very good in the opener. And if you can get to mid-January and those two continue to be very good, that is massive for what you're trying to build around Anthony Richardson moving forward. KB, I, I preface this question with, you know, you know, I didn't grow up a Colts fan, but I'm fortunate enough to be able to cover the team in this capacity, and it's it's great to be able to be a small part within the city's coverage. But I say that with the element of I don't have fan bias here. My preach all year has been, well, win or lose, development of Anthony Richardson is king. But I picked the Colts to win. You picked the Colts to win. Jake picked the Colts to win. I have a feeling when this graphic come out comes out a little bit later on 107.5 The Fan on Twitter – most of us are going to pick the Colts to win. If they lose, but Anthony Richardson's development is still fine, where is the line between this is a bad football team and, and changes are in order as the season progresses versus, well, they're a bad football team. What do you expect to happen? Yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, yeah, it, it, It's weird that like I've had this feeling all week long of like, damn, I mean, you've won one of your last eight AFC South games. Like, that is so utterly pathetic as a franchise and is so disappointing. It's so sad. I mean, it's AFC South. It's, it, it, it's the laughing stock of the AFC. 
and you've won one of your last eight, and you know you've dominated the division with Peyton. You dominated it in the luck years, you know, sixteen in a row at one point within the division. And now, I mean, you, you couldn't be further from the big bad bully that you once were. So that's where I do sit in in this like weird kind of Friday position that I don't think I'll be in many times this year. Of like, you need to win on Sunday. Like, I'm not saying it'll happen if you lose, but. You continue to creep towards complacency. You continue to creep towards like, oh, yeah, losing is acceptable. And, again, you are instilling confidence into these other AFC South teams of like, guys, it's the Colts. Like, they're not – it's the lowercase Colts. Like, it's nothing um, like it once was in this division. So that's where I I do kind of have this weird feeling about Sunday because I don't think we'll be there too often. But if they lose, I mean – yeah, to steal hashtag from Greg Rigstraw, starving for Marvin is alive and well. I mean, this is a team that, you know, I think you would put down this is the easiest road game you'll have all year. I mean, certainly one of the easier games in general. Um, I thought the schedule was very easy at the start of the season. That's probably why I was higher on the win total than most. But this is certainly a game that I expected them to win. Um, so I, I do think Monday will be one of the few times we do have more of a reaction of like, man, this is a really bad football team if they go down there and lose. Because I've got them winning by 10. I mean, I, I, I just think – and I'm putting a lot in the kind of that D-line, Houston O-line matchup because um, I think you can control so much there. But I do think if they lose, it, it, it's going to fall on the, oh, my, um, could this be a top three drafting team? Kevin, in conclusion, there are – and I realize you probably have now alphabetized and instantly available in the mental Rolodex – a hundred reasons why you are probably thrilled that no longer are you seeing me first thing to start the morning in terms of the morning show. Uh, But none of them probably will be a bigger reason than the satisfaction on Monday of knowing that you will not have to face me Monday morning after my alma mater, North Central, stuns your alma mater, Cathedral, tonight in high school football, right? (laughs) What's the line in that game, Jimmy? Uh, 15. Uh, Yeah, I have... I asked Greg, Greg Rakestraw this time last Friday, what would be the line on Cathedral Chatard? My mother and my wife, both Chatard graduates. He gave me four and a half. My Irish did not win that game. But I have a feeling, so you're you're calling North Central over Cathedral. Am I hearing this correctly? Well, the spread's 46. So I'm thinking the Panthers cover. (laughs) It's actually been parlayed with IU over Michigan here in a couple weeks as well. That is going to happen. Indiana's going to go. Thank you for mentioning that, Jimmy. You're welcome. Indiana goes to the big house, Ann Arbor, and 108,000 people with an average age of 108. And they stun the crowd. And Indiana knocks off Michigan, throws the college football world into a tizzy. It's going to happen. Hey, Jimmy, Jimmy, this is the – and I didn't get too many pages into the Jake Query Radio 101 book, but I certainly <laughs> read a couple of them. And I distinctly remember Jake telling me a few years ago, always pick the wild upset, and at some point you'll be right, and the listener will remember that one. They won't remember the 60 other upsets that you've predicted that, that don't happen. So – if North Central or Michigan hits, this is literally Jake having Hell an yes. example for the book, for the Radio 101 book right here. Hell yes. The difference between North Central and Michigan being that uh, one of those two schools I did get into, right? The other one, zero chance, right? <laughs> zero chance. Well, Michigan, uh, by, by week whatever, is is that does Tom Crean finally get a chance to coach? Because isn't, isn't Mr. Harbaugh, isn't the isn't the uh, <laughs> Jim's father coaching this weekend? I was really hoping we could get Tom Crean on the sidelines. That's right. Uh, with, pacing uh, and can you? Amount. By the way, can you imagine? Can you imagine 
if there's a game where Tom Crean and Tom Allen are coaching on opposite sidelines, they're going to have to replace the turf. Oh, it'd be kidding beautiful. me? <laughs> the amount, the amount of tr- trash can kicking I'd and water bottles swigging and good lord, oh my god, yeah, just sideline cam those two and do a picture in picture for the whole game. Past the Jefferson's Reserve. All right, Kevin, enjoy the weekend. We'll look uh, look forward to listening to Monday morning to hear you talk about the Colts and the Texans and what happens on Sunday. Enjoy the legacy game. Yes, good luck. Good luck to your Panthers. Thank you. Hail our Panthers. Hats off to thee. By the way, did you see – I noticed something about Indiana football, speaking of IU, that they just did. And to quote CNC Music Factory from the Wayback Machine, things that make you go, hmm, as in, hmm, what the hell are they doing? We'll explain next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Barry and Company on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 24 minutes before uh, JMV. You got 24 minutes to get, by the way, up to uh, Taylor's Pub of Nora which is where JMV is going to be on location. It might be Taylor's 2, technically speaking, but the one right up there um, in the strip mall at 86th and Westfield, across from the old Steak and Shake where I was banned for life. Uh, but my Sorry? life outlived the Steak... What's that? Sorry? I was banned for life. I was in the Steak and Shake um, 1990-ish. Myself, Mike Byron, Scott McConnell, Matt Jacklin, Chris Farkas, Dewey Williams may or may not have been with us. Uh, Chris Prosser, I think, was there. And this shows how long ago it was. There was a woman smoking in the non-smoking section. There was actually a smoking section in the Steak and Shake, which, strangely enough, was most of the staff. But um, this woman was smoking, and the waiter, who we knew because we were regulars at the Steak and Shake, was telling her to put her cigarette out. And she wouldn't put it out, and a tussle ensued, and or a verbal tussle. And there was a popular lyric from an Ice Cube song at the time, which was stating somebody to do something which is anatomically challenging. And and one of my friends uh, yelled that out to the woman who was wearing a purple shirt and called her a purple troll. And the manager came out and sided with the, the woman smoking the cigarette, much to the chagrin of the waiter, who then took off his apron, threw it down, and said... If you're not going to side with me, then I quit and I'm going to hang out with these guys. And he sat down to eat with us. And the manager was like, well, none of you are eating because you're all kicked out and you're banned for life. So he told us we were banned for life. And I actually believed that for like six or eight months. And then one day, and, and I love Steak and Shake. Not, I'm not saying like, I'm saying I love Steak and Shake. And it, and it broke my heart that I was banned for life from that one. Um, and I never really tested the waters on that until I was an adult and found that I think that was not true. But when I drove past and they had raised it, I thought to myself, well... 
I almost didn't make it. The steak and shake almost outlasted <laughs> me. Don't get me wrong, but I did. You won make that it. battle. Well I done. won that battle. Uh, Indiana football sent the following tweet earlier today. Uh, hashtag or, or excuse me at IU Crimson Guard. We'll see you in Indy. Student season ticket holders can pick up their IU football Louisville tickets tomorrow at the Indiana ticket office. Actually, they sent that I guess last night. So that means today, so Indiana students, so Indiana's playing Louisville at Lucas Oil, right? Yes. And that's tomorrow, right? That is correct. Noon. Noon kick. So the students just found out last night that they're going to have ticket access to the game on Saturday, and the game is an hour away? I would like to think that emails were already sent out earlier in the week, but this is like kind of a public, like really get people behind the Fair. fact that okay. the students are definitely going to come out in full force for that game. They're definitely going to be there. Definitely. Okay, fair. Because I'm like, what are you doing? The, the bigger thing is this. And, and this is gift horse in the mouth. We shouldn't look at gift horse in the mouth. If Indiana's allow, allowing, I don't know if this means that like, although it says season ticket holders, so kids have already bought tickets for the year, right? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a whole – I don't know if it's still this way, but when I was there, you got football because you wanted basketball. I don't know if it's – Well, correct. And in addition to that – now, I was one of the few when I went to IU. I bought the season tickets for football, and I looked forward to it. I went to every game and and enjoyed it, quite frankly. They weren't very good. They were. I was there kind of during the slide, and I thought Bill Mallory was just a heck of a football coach. Um. But I was there right when things started to slide. You know, they they were a perennial bowl contender. And then they went to the Pull-On Weed Eater Independence Bowl, which I mostly remember because it was called the Pull-On Weed Eater Independence Bowl. Um, And do you know why you never see two people weed eating at the same time? Debris? I don't know. Well, no, to use a pull-on weed eater is independence, right? So, But regardless, it was the pull-on weed eater independence bowl. And they went against Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech went crazy and and beat them. But that was kind of the start of the slide of Indiana football. And then, of course, they got rid of Mallory, which they never should have done for Cam Cameron. But I digress. You are correct that the, the football tickets came, I think, probably you had to get them to get basketball, right? And so yes. that's what people did. Yes. Um, so students now, I don't know, you know, I'm relatively – naive to the to the ways that they do it now but if this was simply part of hey you are a you bought season tickets which goes on your bursar bill by the way for football so we are going to go ahead and give you a ticket to the game in indianapolis that's cool but i'm hopeful i don't know this i'm hopeful that they're providing some sort of like fan buses or shuttles or something right because not every kid i mean you're assuming that kids just have, and I think most kids probably do, but there might be some students, Jimmy, if you're from out of state, if you're a freshman, if you're a freshman at Indiana University from New Jersey or Chicago, you, the, probably pretty good chances you don't have a car. Somebody you know does. There was always one guy on your dorm floor whose social supremacy came only based on the fact that he was the one kid with a car. And it was like, oh, yeah, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, you know, Timbo, he's got a car. Well, Timbo's kind of a dork. Yeah, I know, but he's got a car. Okay. Hey, Timbo, you want to go to the IU game? I mean, that does happen. But how are kids supposed to get up here if they, for the most part, right? It's an hour away. Yeah, no high, no college kid's going to Uber from Bloomington to... Well, that's what I mean. I mean, an, to to how game. much would an Uber be? Oh, man. I, I haven't tried here, that well, in a while. I'll do it right now. But 
Let's, if I if I put in right now, let's guess. I'm going to Uber to Bloomington. How much is it right now? Seventy dollars. Seventy. Daniel, you got a guess? Let's go ninety. Ninety. Okay, hang on. Ninety is probably price is right rules. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with. Now, are we going just to – we're going to the El Cheapo, right? Because they have, like, the various things. Yeah, whatever. Do you remember when Uber first came out? It was like a, like people – it was like getting – like hiring a car. Yes. You know, it's like, oh, you had to be – like, the cars couldn't be more than three years old and yep. and the whole deal. Uh, Standards what, have slid. What dorm – you think? <laughs> what dorm are we going to here? Let's say Briscoe. Briscoe, okay. B-R-I-S-C-O-E. Uh, Briscoe – Quad, fee lane, right? Yep. Okay, well, only fitting because we're going to see what the fee is. <laughs> All right, here we go. What? Ooh, ooh, ooh. We got the Uber Green, and then we have the Comfort. Which one are we going with? We're going with. Are we going with the cheapest price? Yes, this is college kids. Cheapest price. Oh, now we have Uber X. Uber X is usually the cheapest, if okay. I remember correctly. Well, that's good for the movie value. Okay, um, Nathaniel, you you want which one? Uh, you you said what? Ninety. You said what, Jim? Seventy. Closest without going over? Yes. Dun, 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 dun. 67.99 oh but still 68 bucks so now round trip right so then after the game when surge all, pricing after the game i mean when all twelve thousand people are coming out of the stadium at one time then now you've got the surge pricing yeah. and so now it's going to be 140 to get back right yeah i do think louisville it's a pretty good test for indiana because you're going against a coach that knows them and is familiar with them right yes um one of the things that we can talk about not only taking a look at the weekend schedule, but also getting Jimmy's picks on the games that are the safest for you. We'll do that to wrap it up and hand it off to John when we come back. You're listening to Query and Company on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Sunday, by the way, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, IMS.com. Tickets still available, but it is the IMSA Battle of the Bricks. And would love to be able to have you go out and watch the finest of sports cars on the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. As a matter of fact, we have... A pair of tickets to give away. And Nathaniel is firing up the phone lines right now. At 239-1070, if you are caller number, we'll make it fast on Nathaniel. Caller number three. Caller number three, you are on your way Sunday for what is going to be fabulous weather and fabulous racing at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the world's greatest race course. And a pair of tickets to give away for you to be able to watch that. And while Nathaniel is doing that, we also have Jimmy's segment of the week. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- way. This is how I win. Let's go with our plays of the day. It's all college football and the NFL for these plays of the day. We'll start first with Saturday action. I'm going to take Purdue on the money line over Syracuse. That at plus 110 juice as things stand. Also going to scoop the 10 for IU as they take on Louisville tomorrow as we mentioned at noon at Lucas Oil Stadium. Lay the 24 for Colorado. If I had shades on I'd put them on. The disrespect was shot by Colorado State. It's going to be a sad long handshake walk as they get their doors blown off by Colorado. Switching to the NFL like I mentioned over 43 and a half for Anthony Richardson for rushing yards perspective he's going to score as well. Rapid fire money line Chiefs money line Colts. Take the nine for the Jets against the Cowboys Moneyline Dolphins and lay the three for the Bengals in a loaded slate for Saturday and Sunday. Gambling is like Red Bull for you, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, it's like, here we go. All right, Colts uh, score prediction in the last 30 seconds of the show here. I will say 27-17, I think is what uh, Nick has for me officially on record. 27-17, Colts win on Sunday over Houston. 27-13, Colts get it done. Okay, 27-13. Um, 
And then Indiana, probably a struggle against Louisville, but no worries because October 14th, they're going to shock the world, right? It does You're, matter a little bit on the bowl counter, though. This could be big for the bowl true, counter. True. All right, on the north side, JMV joins us next, 3 o'clock. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.